You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues and another installment, the penultimate installment of our Star Wars Saga commentaries. Um, I guess our penultimate installment before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, Hmm. But uh, yeah, so this is our our commentary episode for The Force Awakens, um, and then we've just got The Last Jedi, and then Rise of Skywalker, so it's exciting times, but uh, here we are finally into the sequel trilogy. Um, As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Man, it's uh, it's crazy. We're almost at the end of this uh, commentary series. Uh, We... I think it was, was it. I don't want to toot my own horn here, guys, but was it me who kind of suggested we do this idea like back at way back at the beginning of the year? I said, well, we should just do it like a, a movie every every month or something like that. And like, yeah, and I figured I could burn time off a little bit. And now it's like, crap, we're almost there. Like this is, and we're recording this at the end of the month, so we're we're barely getting this out in the the, the in November. So it's crazy we're gonna get to this, and this is a. This is going to be a fun commentary. I think they're all fun, but this one's going to, I think, going to have a little bit more, I hate to say this, but nostalgia for me. So, which I'll get into later in the, in, as we talk. So, um, but yeah, I think this, I'm really excited because I think this movie, I think I love what it represents for me more than I love the actual movie. And I'll get into that later. Yeah, I'm really excited to be getting into the sequel trilogy now. I mean, part of it is because, you know, I just want to, talk about these movies again but a lot of it has to do too where i mean this podcast was created based off this movie in particular Mm -hmm. here and the fact that you know it is kind of long ago but not long ago (laughs) we were thinking about it about our first time seeing the original trilogy and the prequels but this the force awakens is only a few years ago but you know where we're at so close to episode nine it kind of feels like a long time ago too but um it's not you know as far back as the prequel and the original trilogy is and we talked about a lot of the stuff leading up to it and its release so it's going to be a different kind of commentary because uh, we might be touching on some familiar ground but also looking back fondly at the movie and what it was like during that time even though it was only about four years ago so it should be fun. I'm looking forward to both those this were, one and The Last Jedi. Those were four long years, though, Tim. That, that is true. Honestly, yes. <laughs> I mean, think, I mean, just I always t- always say to the, to people, a lot can happen in a day, and a lot can happen in four years. And just think about, <laughs> and it certainly has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, 
to be honest, I would never have predicted Star Wars to be in its place now where The Force Awakens came out at. And mm-hmm. whether I, you know, again, again, not saying that, you know, agree, disagree about The Last Jedi or, or anything like that, just everything, you take everything, the good and the bad and all that stuff. It's just, it's really insane where Star Wars has, has come and gone and and where it's going. So, but this movie definitely is the renaissance of Star Wars. And then that's, there's no denying that. So it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun to kind of revisit it. Well, yeah. And like you said, it, I mean, this does still kind of feel like the new thing, but at the same time, so much has happened since then that it does kind of feel like a, a going back and revisiting as well. So, um, yeah. and honestly for me, I mean, it's, it's been a little while since I've watched this one. Um, again, just cause we've had so much other star Wars stuff going on. I mean, I've watched the last Jedi a couple times this year already. I don't, it maybe has been maybe a year or so since I've watched the force awakens. So, um, yeah, this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to it just because again, just the fact that we've been going through this for the entire year doing the, the entire saga. And the fact that we're now into the sequel trilogy just means we're that much closer to, the rise of skywalker actually yeah. <laughs> you know we've been trying to do one commentary a month and technically we are doing this right at the end of december or november um and then we'll be doing the last jedi in december before the new one but we're, we're less than a month away from the rise of skywalker right now so that's um, insane it's going to be a crazy next few weeks until the movie comes out and it's going to be right around the corner before you know it uh yeah. but without further ado let's go ahead and jump into the movie and uh, talk all about it um, so of course, if you've been following along with us, uh, the whole time we've been doing these commentaries, you know, we're, even though Disney plus is out now and you can stream these, we're doing it off the Blu-ray version. Yes. Um, much to Paul's I chagrin, know. but I figured we'd just <laughs> kind of keep the same theme because the last Jedi is not on Disney plus yet. So we're going to have to go back and do the Blu-ray for that one anyway. Um, or 4k. So we've got it synced up right at the beginning. Um, on the the zero out of two eighteen chapters, so skip past the FBI warning and all that stuff at the beginning. Um, and we're going to uh, go ahead and start the movie on three, two, one, punch it. You guys ready? Y'all. Oh, yes. All right, three, two, one, punch it. All right. Well, officially the first Star Wars movie to not have the Lucasfilm logo, not including the Clone Wars. Well, the the, the the first one chronologically, but uh, I mean, we've already watched Solo and Rogue One that didn't have it. So it's not the first time we've seen it. You know what I mean? But yeah, Yeah. it felt weird not mentioning it. Yeah, I knew somebody was (laughs) going to bring up the the 20th Century Fox, which, by the way, I'm so glad they kept those in the older movies on Disney Plus. First thing I want to say about it, I love the title, The Force Awakens. It just... I mean, for all the Star Wars movies before it, you know, where the Force is obviously a big part of the story, and for none of the movies to be to have a title with the word the Force in there, it just felt right for at least one of them to have the word the Force. And just saying it, the Force Awakens, it just sounds really great. So, right off the bat, the title for I remember when it got it revealed, like, it just got me really excited to what this movie could contain. And you know, the Force Awakens probably still is my favorite. Well, well, the Rise of Skywalker is pretty awesome too, but we don't know exactly what it means just yet. But both of them got me extremely excited for the respected movies. So it's just too bad they didn't call Episode Eight "The Force Hits News and Goes Back Goes Back to Sleep." Boy, that was a joke. That's <laughs> since, uh, probably when the last Jedi got announced. Episode Nine was going to be you know hit the snooze button or decides to wake up something like that. The Force Awakens was, I think, like you said, Tim, it got me even more excited, in which I didn't think it was possible. Just the implications 
So what that means is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, this, I don't think that lives up to the title necessarily as like being as like dramatic as, as at this point. Anyway, I think a lot could change in Rise of Skywalker. But yeah, the title is amazing. It kind of reminds me a little bit of The Phantom Menace and how, you know, the title for that obviously was about Palpatine in the background being Sidious maneuvering things. But it wasn't, you know, Sidious wasn't the main villain of the movie, sort of say. He wasn't in a lot of scenes. And the subject of The Force Awakens is a central plot to the story. But as you said, Paul, probably wasn't the most dramatic use of it so to speak but the theme is there in the movie just maybe yeah. not as out in front as you would think it would be kind of like the yeah. Phantom Menace in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't really what's the word it didn't really hand feed us exactly it did with Ray but not it wasn't like it, we, we thought it'd be like the force like we'd see like this yeah. big like well, big reveal of the force or whatever it's mm-hmm. like uh, after you've seen the movie you kind of get what the title is referencing but going into it it's not like oh we know what this movie is. it's not like Attack of the Clones where it tells you exactly what's going to happen in the exactly. movie but it's yeah. something you have to kind of watch the movie and understand um, do you think this line right here where it's Laura Zanteca saying this will begin to make things right is literally JJ like being telling the audience I'm going to make this right for you because a lot of people are saying that. Yes, I, mean, I absolutely think that. And it's funny because I was just really? thinking I was just thinking about this earlier today. I mean, I don't think it's him supposed to be directly talking to the audience, but I do think I think there's a reason that that's the first line of the movie. And it's so kind of ironic because. This was coming off a time when this was the first Star Wars movie since the prequels, which obviously had divided fans and not been super well received critically. Um, And there was a lot of of talk about with The Force Awakens. I'm trying to bring it back to the original trilogy and uh, bring Star Wars back to what made it great in the first place and everything. And so him saying this will begin to make things right. It's like almost as if this was supposed to be getting Star Wars back on the right track. And then it's like this kicked off the sequel trilogy that's arguably been more divisive than the prequel trilogy. So (laughs) uh, it's like, you know, has this made things right? Uh, It depends on who you talk to. It'd be amazing if the next, the first line of Rise of Skywalker is, "This this should begin to make things right, I hope. Like again, <laughs> he uses the same line. Lor Santec is Lor Santec is back. Right? Yeah, Lor <laughs> Santec is back, and he says, "Okay, for real this time." <laughs> I really like this opening scene, though. I mean, that was one yeah. of the most exciting parts of on opening night is just seeing how the next Star Wars movie in the sequel trilogy is going to open. What is it going to be? And we've seen shots here and there from the trailer, but part of the fun is trying to piece together where these scenes are going to take place. So mm-hmm. didn't know exactly where this one would, but I thought it kicked off the movie with a pretty cool action sequence. I mean, you can make obviously <laughs> a big thing about the force awakens and one of its criticisms that I think is fair is how it's compared to a new hope a lot. You got the stormtroopers, you know, a- attacking here. Some not necessarily soldiers, but villagers protecting their villages. To me, it's just different enough from a new hope, but echoing kind of how a new hope opened with the stormtrooper shootout with a mass yeah. character making a grand entrance later on. <laughs> so I, I, a couple things really fast. I spoiled myself rotten for this movie. So this scene was not any, there was nothing surprising to me in this movie at all. Like, like at all, mm. there was nothing surprising. So everything was, was, was being shown to me as I essentially thought was going to happen for the most part. But 
it just and it was I was a little I that this movie honestly cured me of doing spoilers from here on out. I still like the Force Awakens, but I just like with Finn and, and the bloody hand. I read every single spoiler I could for the mm-hmm. most part, and then I just was like, mm, I don't know. And before um, I say any more, I got a comment on this, and this is I don't want to say this, this as a criticism, but it's gonna come across that, so bear with me. This scene feels very small and I say that because it was filmed on a back lot and this is why I brought, I brought the spoilers because I read so many spoilers that this was filmed on the back lot of Pinewood Studios right yeah and when you are watching this scene it just feels so like tiny and small and I, I know it's meant to be because it's a tiny town or, or whatever but my point is that it just it just feels too small when we've gotten the prequels and everything was so huge and it's almost like the scale got brought back and it's a little for me it feels a little too small when i revisit it it just feels a little too much like it's, not, it's filmed on a back lot and, and again maybe it's from the from the spoilers but it's it's not necessarily a criticism it just feels a little smaller than i'd like it to be i can uh, like i kind of have that same feeling about some things about this movie as a whole um but I, I'm fine with it for this scene because it is just a small village and it's supposed to be remote. And this is where Lorsen Tech has been hiding out. And, uh, you know, this is where the First Order came to find him. Um, but, man, I love this introduction of Kylo Ren. Like, just the ship coming yeah. down, him yeah, coming down yeah. the ramp. It, like, the music, the the helmet and the way his voice sounds coming out Ugh. of it. Um I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Kylo Ren is far and away my favorite thing about the sequel trilogy. I think the best new introduction to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and this is just such a cool introduction. And then, of course, him freezing the blaster bolt. And I remember, yeah. like, opening night <laughs> yeah. in the theater, everybody going crazy over that. Um, so, yeah, just a, a really cool uh, scene and cool introduction to uh, my favorite character from these movies. I like the conversation you have with Laura Santucca and I picked and choose my spoilers for this movie I didn't go full-blown know everything that happened but mm-hmm. I knew Kylo Ren was the son of Han and Leia and oh see I didn't even know that see and oh, I'm that's jealous. what I'm curious about when that dialogue that they had there I think you could if you're a diehard Star Wars fan you could probably piece together who he was just by Laura, yeah. Laura Santucca is referring to him and so I'm curious Kyle did you get any inclinations during that bit of dialogue that Kylo Ren could have been, you know, either a son of Han and Leia or Luke even. No, I, okay. So here's the thing going into this movie. I, my theories and speculation on like who was going to be related to who I was more focused on Ray. Like I was convinced that Ray was going to be Han and Leia's daughter. I think that was what I thought. Like, I also thought she could be a Skywalker, but I, I think I was more certain that she was going to be Han and Leia's daughter, but I was like, she's definitely related to somebody. And then I was like, Kylo Ren probably is too, but that was kind of secondary in my mind. And I kind of had some thoughts and theories about that too, but I was like, if anybody is like the child of one of the main heroes, it's Ray. Um, and then I thought, you know, Kylo will probably find out later. I also thought maybe there would be a big twist at the end that we would find out in a surprise reveal um, who he was. And so when it's like half an hour into the movie and we still don't know who Ray is, but Snoke just goes, you know, oh, the, the droid is in the hands of your father, Han Solo. And I was like, whoa, that OK, I guess they're just telling us that already. 
Um, so yeah, I was surprised by it. And I knew so, like I had some things spoiled for me going in. Like I knew Han was going to die, but I think we all oh, knew yeah. that anyways, just knowing Harrison Ford, but I had read like spoilers about that. But remember, Tim, this was back in the day when, like, the reports from making Star Wars would come out and stuff, and, like, you would read them, and then I would ask you, like, hey, did you see that new thing? Like, how spoilery is it? Like, should I look mm, at it? Yeah. Should I not? Um, so I, continues. I had spoiled, <laughs> yeah, I had spoiled some, like, I knew some things going in, but, um, yeah, I'm glad I was able to, to at least keep some surprises for myself. And, yeah, that was one with Kylo Ren. I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I'm with you, Kyle. Kylo Ren is by far my favorite thing and aspect of the sequel trilogy. And I think even my displeasure with The Last Jedi for the most part, uh, or aspects of The Last Jedi, Kylo Ren remains my favorite character and my one of my favorite things in that movie or in these movies. And I think he's one of the my favorite Star Wars characters ever. And um, he's extremely complex. And I've I've gone on record so many different times and so many different podcasts talking about this, but I'll, I won't stop saying it. The design of Kylo Ren is so good, and it's following up one of the like not one, but maybe the most iconic villains of all time. And it may not be as good as that iconic villain, but it's not like a complete like far away different thing either. It's a pretty cool design mm-hmm. and. I think it's pretty pretty impressive that none of, for the most part, no one's really complained about the design of Kylo Ren and everything. I, for the no most part, <laughs> no, I know, but that that should say a lot of different things. So yeah, I I do love Kylo Ren. Yeah. By the way, watching Ray slide down that long rope right there suddenly gave me Fallen Order vibes <laughs> that I hadn't oh, had yeah. before watching this movie. <sighs> Yeah, and, and by the way, what do you guys think of that transition from Finn to Ray without the swipe? I didn't really like that very much. I, I, every time I watch that, I always wish JJ would go back to the or the old school George Lucas thing and have like a little swipe or something like that. I feel like it's too jarring for me well, when she just opens it up. I think the door, like what the panel or whatever that she opens, is kind of supposed to be like a in in universe wipe almost like because we do kind of it almost like it it is like almost a little bit of a camera wipe but instead of just the lens it's that thing opening up in front of her i kind of like the transition too where obviously we see finn put the stormtrooper helmet back on and the next thing you see is ray not necessarily a helmet but she has her headgear her goggles looks like she's a masked character as finn puts his on and you transfer to another character whose face is all covered up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i go ahead tim no, I was just going to say, say what you want about Jakku being another desert planet that's, and it's not Tatooine, but shots like this with these fallen star destroyers the next thing, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember seeing the shot for the first or the second teaser at Celebration, just being marveled about how beautiful it looked and just the sight of these iconic ships just crashed down <laughs> and just in ruins makes me wonder, man, what happened? What was this big battle? We, of course, got that story filled, the Battle of Jakku and various different mediums and video games and novels but just seeing it in the movie every time it's just such a great looking visual just mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel of it being on another desert planet it looks great yeah yeah i i still you know star wars having a zillion desert planets is a little irritating but at this point you can't stop it they, for whatever reason they don't want to go back to tatooine so it's whatever 
So, and you know what's funny? There's almost so many at this point that I've kind of stopped caring. Like, exactly. Like, like Jakku, I was like, oh, this could have just been Tatooine. I mean, I get that there's the battle there and everything. So, you know, that kind of makes it different. But then we've got like, uh, there's Jetta in Rogue One, and then there's Pasana in The Rise of Skywalker, and it was still like, oh, great, more desert planets. And then for whatever reason, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me is the one in The Mandalorian, where he yeah. goes and meets Kuil and where he finds Baby Yoda for the first time and everything. And it's like, that apparently is not Tatooine either. And it's like, at this point, you know what? Screw it. Okay, I guess there's just a bunch of different desert planets, and I'm going to just stop hoping they go back to Tatooine. One of my favorite memories of the lead up to The Force Awakens was when we got that big concept art leak about a year before it came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And seeing all these images of what the next Star Wars movie could look like. And one of my favorites, and I think probably the favorite image of that concept art was Ray's home being an ATAT. And I just love that idea so much of how our main character is using that as her home pretty much and not only just making you speculate why she's living in an ATAT, but the visual of it it looks so cool I mean, i'm a little disappointed we didn't get more shots like that where we see the eight full at kind of how she has it decked it out as her home but seeing the inside of it seeing her cook that uh, loaf of bread right there and just marking down the days of how long she's been on Jakku without her family, just using the AT-AT as her home base. It's just such a really cool concept to me that even though it was in that concept art, there's always that possibility it might not make it into the movie. So even though we got one or two shots of it, I'm glad it made it in there and that is part of her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they focused on, it could have done a lot of cool shots of her walking around it or something like that to give it give, give it more of a scale and, and lived in kind of feel. And I feel like the, the foot of it, the leg of it, which they filmed around and the and the, the wide shot of just the of it in the sand, it's cool, but it also looks very CGI. I don't know. For, for Mr. Uh, everything is practical in this movie, you know, <laughs> the, that wasn't exactly super practical. So, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot to yeah. I, I listen. First Awakens. This is a good. This is the beginning of this movie. I love. I want to make that very clear. I do love all of this. I love Ray. I love. I love everything. That, almost everything in this movie up until they leave Jakku, and I've said that for a long time. And but I do. I think this is some of the best Star Wars ever. This first part. I think it's just when I'm talking about the not just the action, but like. The character development, yeah, introductions. Mm-hmm. It really is. I, I don't I don't think it's it's not it's in the middle of my Star Wars rankings, but it's not but if I had to like say the the first half of this I think is just, is so good. It's so good. And it does get me back to loving Star Wars again and or not again, but getting me into Star Wars and just getting me that feel. I wish the last half did as good as a job as the first half, but it's not the second half isn't bad. It just doesn't get me as excited and, and doesn't feel as authentic Star Wars as I want it to be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there is something to be said for just, you know, starting off a new Star Wars movie. And I think they did do a good job of especially yeah. establishing these characters. Like, I think the biggest strength of the prequel trilogy so far, and especially this movie, is um, in the sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah. What I say? The prequels? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, in, in the sequel trilogy, I think it's okay. its greatest strength is its characters and just Definitely. the dialogue, the way they're written, the way they're developed, the way that all these characters are sort of instantly memorable and likable. Um, 
and uh you know so it was a great introduction to ray great introduction to kylo ren um and even here you know we're like you mentioned paul i mean he is obviously supposed to be evocative of darth vader but we see him doing things here that like we haven't really seen before um yeah. at least in movies i mean and we've we know about like dark side being able to torture people and interrogate and stuff but um i don't know this is just all done in kind of a cool new way uh that we hadn't really seen before from a star wars villain like even before we really get to know the complexities of him as ben solo again i just like how intimidating he is as kylo ren and like it's like yeah he kind of is a vader wannabe but i mean he's got the cloak and the robe and stuff that vader didn't really have and then we see him using some new force powers and stuff so um yeah i just i love him right off the bat Okay, I forget about BB-8 too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. And, and BB-8, you know, I, was right from the first teaser that we saw that shot of him rolling. I mean, he piqued everybody's interest, and then they brought him out at celebration, and then everybody went nuts. Um, mm. Of course, there was also that little tease there where you know Ray says like, "Where do you come from?" And she's like, "Oh, classified. Me too. Big secret." Um, and one of those things that it's yeah. like, okay, is this gonna come back around in the Rise of Skywalker? Because <laughs> I mean, that's yes. that speculation. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, and it, it seems like it is based on what they've said in interviews and stuff. So I'm interested to see what JJ does with that. Well, thank God, too. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I mean, yeah, for someone, again, I think JJ did a great job of setting up this, something about Ray. And I think that, and I have a lot more to say about Ray and, and, and Lucas and, and all the involvement that he, may, he didn't have in this movies and on a later podcast, maybe when we do the rise of Skywalker, I'll talk about that. But I do, I will give JJ a lot of credit that he did do a great job of giving us these anti or antagonists, antagonists. Yes, obviously Kylo Ren, but protagonists like Ray and Finn um, that I really cared about in immediately and we're definitely engaging and set up a lot of mystery, especially with Ray. And, and just, there was a lot of fun in with that. And I think we'd all would agree. We all had fun debating and arguing and, and, and saying like, this is what I think. This is what I think, you know? And, and, but it's nice to see that though the last Jedi, Ryan kind of wanted to have it one way. It definitely feels like JJ is going to set, going to, Whatever he's doing, he's retconning it. And I'm very, very happy. He's going to mm-hmm. use the Laura Santeca line again. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, let's, make, let's begin to make things right. And just get, yeah. yeah. No, From but that's, your point of view, I guess. By yeah, the way, I, I, I love that exchange we just had between <clears throat> Finn and Poe. Um, and this is probably my favorite character relationship in this movie. It's just the two of them and their instant camaraderie. Um, mm-hmm. And that line where... Uh, you know, pose like, why are you helping? He's like, because it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, the two of them, complete opposite sides, ones with the First Order, ones with the Resistance. You know, they don't know each other. And, you know, they're able to just come together, work together for a common cause. But not only, like, work together as allies, but just, again, like, the instant friendship and camaraderie that bonds between them is just so much fun to watch and see them getting to know each other as they're stealing this TIE fighter and, uh, Poe give Finn a name for the first time is just like this is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. No, yeah, the, and this the chemistry between the you know all the characters, well, the main three, the new characters here are just really great. They did an amazing job casting, and it was, yeah, that's not a shock or surprise to anybody, but yeah, really props to John Boyega because he's the key, I think, to both. He has great chemistry with 
Poe here, as we see. Then he has great chemistry with Ray later on. And it's just a testament to, I think, John Boyega and his, the writing for Finn. It's how he's able to connect with two totally different characters, but you immediately feel the close bond between, you know, Poe and Finn and Poe and Ray. Just great jobs. Mm-hmm. I That's, I think, one of the reasons why I get so angry with The Last Jedi is that I loved Finn in The Force Awakens. Loved Finn. And this, I, I just, this character is so great. And I just, again, Boyega has so much chemistry and so, or not chemistry, but he has so much uh, just uh, charisma coming off the screen, I feel, mm. that he just leaps off the screen. And I think it really showed, he was just so great to see him interact and get out there and and everything. And I love, like you said, too Kyle like I love the scene where Poe gives names Finn Finn and I yeah it's 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 a bummer that to me that he just doesn't really go anywhere in the next movie as or he's he's just not the character that I think he's he, he what I perceive perceive him to be from uh The Force Awakens but yeah The Force Awakens whenever I watch it I always just I really like it reminds me how much I love Finn and I can't wait to see what he's like in Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we're going to get to see a lot more of him with I mean, we're going to get to see Ray, Finn and Poe all together, which you don't really get to see in this movie. But um, again, I think those those pairings like just Ray and Finn are a lot of fun together in this movie. And then Finn and Poe are a lot of fun together. And The Last Jedi, he doesn't really get a lot of time with either of them. Yeah. But we do go to a casino planet. <laughs> We're almost there, Paul. I know you can't. I know. Hey, I yeah, know, we'll man. get to talk Sorry. about that on the next one. But, but again, it's it, but again, it's because I like I do love the introductions and setups in the Force Awakens, even the later half of that. I love that stuff, and I love mm-hmm. like right here, like when Finn's gonna say he does a lot of great exposition right here. You know where where Poe's like, no, we're going back to Jakku. And he's like, we're going back to Jakku. And then he says, that map leads straight to Luke Skywalker. And Finn's like, oh man, you gotta be kidding. And yeah. I love the fact that he's like, you, you get this first subtle hint of Luke Skywalker is like, oh no, this is not a good, this is not a good thing. Right? Like, what does that mean? And mm. there's that negative connotation of Luke Skywalker. Well, I don't even so. think it's so much of a negative connotation. It's more just like, you know, Finn's like, no, we can't go back. Why do we want to go back? And then, like obviously he's heard that name Luke Skywalker before and he knows he's super important and so when when Poe brings that up it's like oh my gosh are you kidding me like that's what this is yeah. all about it's not so much that's a negative thing it's more just like it, it's almost uh, like ludicrous like what we're looking for Luke Skywalker are you nuts yeah that's kind of well that's what way I looked at it kind of just almost a negative like oh no we don't want to go see him like it's kind of thing so that's what I read it at, read, read it as, but you're 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 right, probably too. Well, I gotta talk about this because I don't have very many chances in this movie <laughs> or even the whole sequel trilogy. But how awesome Captain Phasma looks, as little <laughs> as she was in this movie. You guys knew the hype surrounding her appearance that I had for her. This when I saw these first few scenes, it got me really excited about her character. Like, oh, she has a great presence. Gwendolyn Christie's voice sounds really cool in that helmet. Oh, I just can't wait to see more of her in action. And sadly, that didn't happen, but I felt she still kind of had a cool little introduction in this movie and it just made you hoping for more. And we never really got that. But in these first few instances, I thought she had some, you know, it was just cool to see her finally after seeing nothing but images of stills or toy images or whatnot, seeing her on the screen for the first time in that amazing costume. It was really cool. It just bummer I didn't get enough of it. 
but mm. so we're not going to see her for a long time in this movie. So I had to get that out there while I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, anyone who complained about Boba Fett, but loves Phasma. It's just, I just, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're very comparable. I mean, then I even see just people like saying how, how Boba Fett wasn't even used like Phasma was like, well, they're kind of comparable. Really? They have pretty much one action sequence each. And both don't end well for him. I say Boba Fett's probably even worse than what happened to Phasma. I, I would agree. Phasma mm-hmm. actually has a, a focus at least, yeah. whereas Boba Fett doesn't. But I mean, at that point, I think you're splitting hairs. If you're like, yeah, I don't I, like Boba Fett, but I love Captain Phasma, it's like, okay, shut up. Yeah, I think <laughs> you have to feel the same about both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they both yeah, go yeah, in the exactly. same camp of characters that look cool and just didn't get their due in the story. But yeah. background stories for both characters... Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> really you know, I, I will say the Phasma book was one of my more yeah, one of awesome. my favorites of the of the all of the new canon books. It's, it's very it's a, it, it's very isolated, and I, lo- I love that. And uh, I also love one of the things that was surprising to me in this movie when I first watched it. Again, one of the things I wasn't spoiled on was this line by Kylo Ren yes. references, references the clones. I'm I like, oh, all yeah. right, all right, all right. Maybe JJ doesn't hate the prequel trilogy <laughs> or, or, or Lord's Kazan, obviously. I got a big smile on my face when I heard that, though I really think it's just to inform the audience that the Stormtroopers are not clones. Yeah. True, the fact that they are individuals, and we get a little bit of insight on them, how they're taken when they're really young, but... As diehard Star Wars fans and just fans of you know, the prequels and the Clone Wars, I mean, it's hard not to get excited about that. Because it's, to me, I take it that Kylo Ren knows his history. He knows about the Clone Wars. He knows about the army. That I assume he knows everything about Darth Sidious and Palpatine and this whole plan. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he would know all about that stuff. And just knowing how the clone army was used, he would probably really want to consider that. <laughs> and yeah. That was, I don't think we're obviously... I should say obviously, but probably not going to get it in episode nine. But the fact that he is the supreme leader now, I always think, oh, that could be something we can reintroduce to the first order. Let's yeah, hey, maybe maybe the Sith troopers are clones. That's that's why I'm saying probably and not you know definitely. So. Although he probably didn't just grow a whole clone army in the year since the last Jedi, but I don't know. We got a lot. To, we got a lot to find out in those. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird because, for, and, and I don't really follow the reshoot stuff as much, but there's one of the things about The Force Awakens that I always forget about is how much was reshot. And the scenes coming up here between Ray and Finn uh, were reshot. Like, this is mm-hmm. all on set. So this is back in, obviously, the audio. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. But then the stuff up here, right right not i don't think maybe maybe this right here but this with finn i believe is all reshot this is all filmed right the stuff with ray right here i believe this is all filmed on or in california on bad robots rooftop huh well it wouldn't surprise me because i I know jj said they reshot a lot of stuff the early stuff in the movie especially between finn and ray because it was during the time that harrison ford broke his leg and they had to stop the production and he said it actually gave him some much needed time to go back and kind of rework some things and he said that the chemistry between them really wasn't clicking early on 
um, which is kind of hard to believe because, you know, you watch it now and there's such great chemistry between the yeah. two characters. And especially, I mean, like you said, Finn in general, I mean, even you just watch interviews and stuff with John Boyega, he's just such a naturally charismatic guy. It's hard to imagine somebody not having good chemistry with him. Um, right. well, but, but I'm sure yeah. I'm sure for two young actors thrust into such a big franchise like this for the first time and they're both relative newcomers, you know, there was probably just a lot to kind of wrap their minds around. So um, it ended but up working I, out really well that they had that extra time to go back and rework that stuff. Well, they not just reshot it, but they actually rewrote it, too. Oh, yeah. So no, that's, re- that's what I'm talking about. They didn't like yeah. reshoot or just go back and reshoot the same scene. Yeah. J.J. retweaked some things in the script and um, worked on the dialogue and the performances and stuff. And they were able to, to just go back and retool it. So it's it's really hilarious because I'm going to be kind of brutal for a second. You can tell. Some of this is reshot because John Boyga's face looks bigger in the reshot scenes. And then like the Abu Dhabi scenes, his face is a little bit slender. It's weird. Huh. I can't, I, I can tell a difference. It just, See, I never really noticed that to me, the biggest jarring of reshoots is in the Phantom Menace with Obi-Wan. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> there is, there is a scene in here that, and I don't know if it was reshot or if it was just the, something they had to do in pickups or something, but uh, there's a scene later on in Maz's castle. And I think it's when uh, Finn is telling Ray, um, uh, he's trying to get her to come with him when he's going to leave and go with the pirates. And he just wants to get away from the first order. Um, and they're like on the staircase in Maz's castle. And if you look at his hair, it, there's something weird about his hair that makes me certain they shot that on a green screen. Like it doesn't necessarily look green screened. It just looks off. Like it, the lighting right. doesn't look natural or something, but um, I got you. This, I love this whole sequence though. Oh, this same. Is this is one fantastic. of the better action sequences. Not only the movie, but I just think, in Star Wars in general, again, going back to that great chemistry between Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, just the dialogue interaction together. It's a lot of fun. Ray complaining every time Finn takes her hand like she's some damsel in the stretch. She needs help. But in fact, she's helping him <laughs> get out of this and you know, taking the charge. And then it all leads to this great scene here. I mean, the cheer this got in the theater, not the loudest, but one of the loudest. And. I think everyone knew it was coming as soon as Ray said that's garbage because the Falcon has been referred to that so many times. But getting this reveal right here, it still has that effect when you're seeing that for the first time in this movie. Just mm-hmm. a great job of you know setting up, and because we knew the Falcon was going to be, and it was one of the first things we saw in the trailer. Oh, of course, <laughs> the very yeah, first yeah. Teaser, so, but getting that reveal of it still is just really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's very interesting that Ray can fly the Falcon, but yet the ship hasn't flown in years. And I don't know. This is funny. I mean, maybe you know, well, she, she maybe has flown. been on it or is familiar with that type of ship or whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I think even well, in the Before the Awakening book, it kind of established where she would do these flight simulations. Yeah, okay. yeah, that. That's yeah. That's fine. I, I read all that, but she like knows the the like the ship like like super well. It's like well, well you know. By the yeah. way, this was the one scene for this movie that they shot in IMAX, and I remember how cool this looked oh, in so the th- in oh. seeing it in IMAX in the theater as they run out of those gates uh, of the the little town on Jakku, and they're running toward the ship, and it opens up to that bigger uh, full screen IMAX format. And I've been meaning to go back and check. Obviously, it doesn't do it on the Blu-ray, but I wonder if on Disney Plus, if they kept that where just this scene is uh, the fuller IMAX frame. 
No, it's not. I've watched this whole ah, sequence. Dang it. Why would they leave that out? There's other movies like The Dark Knight where even like on Blu-ray, mm. it'll just the yeah. aspect ratio will switch between the sh- the scenes that were shot on IMAX and the ones that weren't. I don't know why they the couldn't Dark have kept it for this one. The Dark Knight 4K scenes in that. Crazy. <laughs> They're so good. Makes me. It does make me hope that on the 4K release, physical 4K release, maybe they'll go do something a little different with that and you know, add that little that little stuff in here because that would be great because it does look beautiful, mm-hmm. and I think I think this would look great because because this is this is this is fantastic. This is yeah, such really great is. Star Wars. This is yeah. this is such great Star Wars to me. Yeah, just such a fun, you know, action scene and of course reintroduction to the Falcon. Um, you know, seeing it and revealed the for the first time, they jump on board and immediately you've got you know a chase through the junkyard and them shooting down Tie Fighters and just classic star wars action again going back to that great visual look of crashed and downed star destroyers of these classic ships that we've known from the original trilogy and to seem like this and having it be a big set piece for this really cool chase between the falcon and the tie fighters this all melts together so great and i do like here where the first order tie fighter pilots show some competence right there where she splits them off i guarantee you if this was in the original trilogy one of them would have crashed right in the yeah, behind that star yeah. yep. just showing how well-trained pilots they are and i think they're one of the most underrated costume designs in the sequel trilogy i love how the tie fighter looks in this in the first order it's just so sleek and cool looking i love their new helmet designs oh yeah the uh well, the helmet designs are cool i wish they had upgraded the ships a little bit more but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I said pilots, but that's what I meant. The TIE fighter pilots. Yeah. <laughs> Their helmets look. Really no, I, I knew what you meant because you just said TIE fighters, but TIE fighters don't wear helmets. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going into a superstar story. Yeah. Just so cool. Mm-hmm. And it made for a nice sequence in Star Tours and one of the first updates they had <laughs> when the Force of Language is about to come out. Yeah, that's true. That was a fun sequence. I hope it's still there. They didn't take it out, did they? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It was just during the time this movie came out, you would get that like every time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, which was kind of annoying because, I mean, you go to Star Tours or go to Disneyland. I mean, obviously some casual fans or people that are just going with their kids, maybe you're only going to ride Star Tours once. But um, obviously for us hardcore fans, you know, I'm going to write it like three or four times. And so I don't want to have to go to Jakku every time I'm on there. <laughs> Got a quote Finn right there. You want to go back to Jakku? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Writing Star Tours for the fourth time. You're like, why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I forgot. I forgot that I went to Disneyland with you, Tim, and we went and then I, we went on Star Tours and we got Jakku. Yeah, that's right. Also, just at the end of that sequence, that shot where the Falcon flies by the camera and heads off into space and you just hear that sort of classic engine roar going yeah. right by the camera. That's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. And it's like, yeah, no, I agree. It, yeah. It's nothing special, but it's just such classic Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. This is a interesting See, th- I like all this stuff too. Like, this is I'm still fully in like engrossed and engaged in this stuff right here, and I love like you know again when uh, the the Kylo Ren's in there. It, to me, the movie starts taking it down. For me, the movie starts going downhill a tad is when they go to Maz Kanata's castle. Huh. That's when things get a little bit too. 
hold on. We got to make a, a cantina scene. I got to do <laughs> my cantina scene, George, because I can do it so much better. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll yeah. get to that. Or I'll talk yeah, about that when too. we get there. But I yeah, kind of yeah. have some of the same thoughts on that. But but um, this is great. This is a great I, this, Kylo this scene, a, though. Yeah, this is yeah. A great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's both humorous yet frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because imagine being that guy, just knowing that he could go nuts and you expect to die, but he doesn't. Like, Kylo just goes to town on this machine anyway and i love this right here anything else (laughs) yeah i love that and i never quite understood the people that criticize the movie and and his character in particular as being like oh he's just childish and he's whiny and he throws temper tantrums and stuff it's like i like that like because every every star wars villain that we've seen before is so sort of calm and like cold and calculating and just menacing and you know whether it's vader and just having that powerful presence or Darth Maul, who's like the silent but deadly one, or Count Dooku, who's obviously very, uh, you know, proper and formal, um, and then Palpatine, who's just like the master manipulator. We've never had a villain like this who's just kind of unhinged and raw and rough around the edges, and you don't know what he's going to do at any given moment. Like, he might be calm under pressure, or he might just throw a fit and destroy something, and um, I don't know. I, I just think that's a cool new take on uh, a Star Wars villain that we hadn't seen before. So I liked it. Yeah. I agree. I, and I still think, it. and I like to believe too, there's still some meaning when he says, what girl? Mm-hmm. And he just chokes mm-hmm. that officer right there. Something triggered him when he, when he said there was a girl. So yeah. Well, yeah. And, and they cut right to Ray. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's gotta be, again, there's, there's more to the story. And yeah. again, I'm not saying, she has but to the only thing that I always just wonder if, JJ intended for that to go somewhere like he knew where he was going to go with it or if it was just planting seeds for whoever made episodes eight and nine to kind of take that and run with it I think a little bit of both actually to be honest I think there's I think there's I think he had a vision but he left it up to kind of you know whoever again that's a whole other podcast of itself but um (laughs) but yeah like the who the lack of direction um overall from the story but yeah, I think there's always meant to be something there to kind of plant a seed or whatever. But uh, but yeah, talking about what you said about Kylo Ren, that I think one of the things I love about Kylo Ren is the fact that he's not, like you said, the, the traditional, like, I'm such a BA, I can do whatever I want. I can just do all these different things. Like, he's a very emotional, unhinged, and tr- like he's got his own trauma character, as we'll find out in the rest in our last Jedi. But, but my, <laughs> my point is is that there's a lot there is a lot more emotionally behind everything that he does and not justifying anything that he does obviously but there's a lot of traumaticness traumatic things that he's getting out and that there's a reason why the way he is and that is interesting in that he wears it on his sleeve and he is a child he is angry because here's the deal people those people exist there are bad yeah. people that act like that and so the the you know, if this wasn't a if this was a lazy writing thing, they'd make Kylo Ren exactly like Darth Vader because he wants to be Vader. But the whole point, and again, what I love what they've done with this is that they made Kylo Ren be want to be Vader, but he's so far from it because he is so emotionally unhinged. And here mm-hmm. is one of the most uh, talked about trailer shots of all time. I say trailer because yes, they Chewie or a home moment is a great trailer moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not watch that scene and think about, I mean, for those of us that were there at Celebration when we saw that trailer for the first time and the way the room just erupted when we saw Han and Chewie for the first time at the end of that trailer, 
Um, I mean, it's a great moment within the movie itself, but I can't yeah. watch it and not think of that moment at Celebration. Yeah. I was going to say, too, even if you were at Celebration or not, it's just such a powerful scene for every anyone who's grown up on the original trilogy or just a fan of Star Wars before the sequel trilogy came out and are familiar with the original trilogy characters. And I don't think that moment loses it, hasn't lost its magic at all yet. I still get a smile on my face as soon as Han and Chewie enter the corridor there and he says mm. that iconic line now it is iconic chewy we're home but just so fitting and so perfect I mean, the falcon is their home i mean there's no other way around it the fact that he's acknowledging it like that and just the joy it brings them yeah it's just so good and even and the way too that, right she, that ray and finn are talking about you know han solo the rebellion general no the smuggler no isn't this the ship that made the customer like i love how our our classic characters from the original trilogy are now like legends to these kids mm -hmm. who don't even know the full story, but you know, they've just probably grown, grown up hearing tales passed down here and there, you know, maybe one of them's heard uh, stories about this guy who fought the empire. And another one's heard stories about this guy that outrun the Imperials and, you know, worked for Jabba the Hutt and everything. And like, they're like, Oh, it's the same guy. And I love to, this goes, you know, a little connection or just, I feel anyway, how Solo still fits very well, Solo the movie, and that portrayal of Han with this portrayal of Han, because just how mad Han got when she said 14 power sex and not 12, and just how much of a point Han in Solo was saying that it was 12 to everyone he was talking to. It just mm -hmm. makes total sense that all these years later, he'd still be clinging to, you know, you gotta make sure you get it right. It was 12 parts. sex. <laughs> yeah. And then, but of course, another... you know, when he says, yeah, I knew him. I knew Luke. Yeah. It's an understatement of the century. <laughs> and just how it stops him in his tracks. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they were talking about all this stuff, just calling him Rebellion Hero, the smuggler, but paying no mind to it. He's just glad he has the Falcon back. But as soon as they mention Luke, it just stops him in his track. And that little bit of set, their sadness and yet proud like a bit of being proud that he was luke's friend and knew him but that sadness of what happened to him and everything of course that transpired with ben so it's just a mix of emotion that han's got to be feeling right there and i think harrison ford just sold it really well when he just said yeah i knew luke just really mm -hmm. great yeah now this scene right here though this is the one see i don't i'm not gonna say i hate it but this might be my least favorite sequence of the movie tell that and to kanja club yeah, <laughs> it's weird too because it is kind of cool seeing Han in his element doing what he does, smuggling, trying to weasel out of bad deals and promises that he wasn't able to keep with these gangs. So it is fun to see that, but there's just something about it that makes it feel a little off from the rest of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, you, I think you're completely right. Like it's it's fun to see Han in his element, and like it makes sense for his character, and we kind of see this rough and tumble life of like smuggling and, and scum and villainy that he's gotten himself back into, but it just doesn't really do much to serve the overall plot of the movie. I mean, this almost kind of yeah. feels like if this was, if this whole movie was like a season of clone wars, you'd have like, the, <laughs> yeah. you'd have the Jakku arc and you'd have the Takodana arc. And in between that, you'd have one random episode about Han and Chewie running from Raftars. Yeah, there you go. That's a great analogy right there. It totally makes sense. Yeah, I think this is where I think I, I don't mind this, but you guys bring up a, a great point that it does feel very out of place, especially with you have the freaking uh, 
what do you call them? The oh my gosh, the uh, the raid guys here. They, yeah, you know they. The, we heard their, yeah, everyone we heard their, was expecting these awesome martial arts fight sequences with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Then they show up for basically like, hey, we like movies. Why don't you come in and hang out with us? It's like, uh. so yeah, this this gets a lot of hate, but I don't mind the stuff because it, I do like Han Solo and his <laughs> element. But it, but it does suck that like Han Solo has been relegated to a crappy smuggler instead of a good smuggler. Or it feels like, again, these guys show up like, you suck. No one's going to let you hire hire you anymore. And it's like, well, back in the day, Han Solo was one of the best. Like, he should be, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, I don't even think it's so much that he he sucks. It's more like, I think he's good, but he overestimates himself. Like, he knows he's good. And because of that, he gets himself into situations that he thinks he can get out of. But it's like too much for even him. And then he thinks he can just talk his way out of it. And then, you know, they're like, no, not this time. The impression that I get is that he's terrible now and that he's done. He has nowhere to go. And that I don't like because I feel that Han, the Han that I grew up with, that he he was in everything and could get out of everything. But it wasn't that he was, you know, always trying to backstab people just what is you know he just was good at smuggling and he definitely would you know get out of certain situations i don't i don't know i just it's not really the impression i get because i feel like that's kind of always been his mo he's always been cocky and thinks he's really good and he is good but part of it is just you know luck or him using his wits to like get out of situations when things go wrong like because i could easily see this same thing happening with you know with han and chewie running from the wrath tars this could also be in solo a star wars story you know that's the same kind of thing he's young he's got all this bravado and thinks he's got everything under control and then you find out he very much doesn't things get way out of control and then even in the middle of all that chaos he still is able to work his way through it and just you know survive and uh scrape through by the skin of his teeth and then he stands there smiling acting like he had everything under control the whole time that's that's always been han solo to me no right but it just again i just feel like they they implement their they implicate that he's he's washed up and i don't like that so i kind of see what you mean there paul i and i think the only way that makes it work is that you know he is past his prime now and so he is probably not going to be as he once was, but at the same time, I do understand where you're coming from. Where you don't want to see Han Solo like that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I agree with what Kyle's saying because it is still feels like it's the same character trying to thinks he's ahead of the curve and can help smart people, but yet things go wrong and he has to <laughs> things get more complicated and he has to get out of it in even more difficult ways. So that all still, I think, rings true to right. what. Han has been through for the most of his life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you think he's washed up? At least he's not hanging out on some derelict freighter in the middle of nowhere, saying, "I just came out here to die." But that's for another podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there already. Huh? Oh man. Also, I'm gonna. I'm also gonna complain about this. You can't tell me that Han Solo has never picked up the bowcaster in like 40 years. And ever fired it? Whoa, wow! Like, give me a break. I like, mean, that's ridiculous. I Kyle, can, you can't. I, okay, okay. I see where you're coming from there, but you know what? I, it doesn't bother me because we, as the audience, have never seen him do that before. Like, Kyle, and I'm not talking. I'm not just talking about seeing him picking up the bowcaster. I'm saying we've never seen the bowcaster get this much use before. This, I'll like, just say, from, I, from Chewie I, either. So it still works. It still works. But it still is inexcusable for them to act like Hans never picked it up. I don't know. That's never bothered me. 
I, you know what? Here, here, really fast, really fast, Tim. I would be fine with it if he didn't say, "Oh wow!" Like, like, <laughs> you, it, it, like, like it'd be different if he picked it up, blew people away, and was like, "Yeah." And then, like, and then you, when he does it again, back on Takadana, when he's like, "Can I borrow that for a minute?" And he goes, oh, "I like this thing." Like, or, I mean, that would make more sense. But he or actually, he could have said, "You I forgot how powerful this thing was." <laughs> exactly. No, perfect. Exactly. That. I just again, I feel that JJ totally. He, I almost forget. He, he almost forgets that there's hardcore Star Wars fans out there. That even like would. I mean, like, come on, like get, throw us a bone here, dude. Like I was I get, just gonna say, I don't. The one thing I took away from that whole thing was I hated seeing Chewie get shot. I mean, we've never seen that before. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars. They say right up, growl and be in pain. Oh, I felt Chewie's pain there. <laughs> oh. oh, there's there's Elam. Possibly. I think ninety nine percent. It's Ilum, dude. Let's just let's just let's throw yeah. it out there. Which, Which I is think cool. Is great con yeah, great concept and use for it. But this part right here, uh oh, there's the great the great enemy Snoke that looks very formidable and, and opposing and mysterious. <sighs> um anyway, um well, we'll get to that too, but I will say uh, I do not mind one bit what Snoke's the role Snoke played in this movie and what happened. So in this movie, yeah, in this movie, no, absolutely. even in Last Jedi, even in Last yeah, Jedi. Anyway, uh, I just what, wish we I, found out more about where he came from. I don't mind his role as it is, and I don't mind what happens to him. I just want more backstory on, you know, what his purpose was in the first place. Do you know? I always kind of wish too that he was that actual size that he was that big mm -hmm. oh yeah i thought that, that would have been cool, been cool. Yeah. uh did you guys think that uh or do you guys know that this was a uh, cgi mast kind of yeah Red? i found that out oh wait, is it crazy oh I yeah that. that looks amazing <laughs> it looks fantastic tell. yeah and and he because they they originally filmed it with him uh with, with obviously a mast and then they put it they, they felt they needed to put it back on which is perfect i thought Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that we don't see his face till later in the movie. Yeah, the reveal to Ray is perfect. Mm -hmm. But again, this reveal here, where Snoke tells him, you know, the droid is in the hands of your father, Han Solo. Watching it for the first time, I was like, whoa! I'm, I was surprised that he was the first one that we found out had a connection to the original characters. Great shot right there. There was a big gas in the audience when, in the first few screenings, it was like, oh wow. I was just thinking, ah, it's confirmed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Tim, we talked about that for months before. Yeah. You know, year before or whatever. We we kind of, yeah, and that was. Well, uh, now knowing that you guys knew it so far in advance, I'm glad I was able to avoid that somehow. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. The only thing I didn't know, the only thing I, I, actually, I'll wait till that comes out. There's one big thing in this movie that I did not know about. I did save for the movie, which I'll get to later. See this right here. You see the connection between her and Han. They obviously have some kind of like there's a, there's a chemistry and a connection between the two characters, mm -hmm. not the actors, but the characters. They're they're really heavily implying that they are very similar. Now, mm -hmm. that's going to have to be blood similar, but I do think it. I do think it's interesting. Let me throw this out there that Solo is not really Han Solo's real last name, but he takes it on himself. That like we as we see as Kasdan. Uh, the Kazdans show in the solo Star Wars story. He takes it on it as his people. And what I find interesting is that they go in this movie in the force awakens. They heavily imply how similar 
Han and Ray really are. Not just in just how they act, but like their past too. So mm-hmm. just throwing it out there. Yeah, that was one of the things I remember when you were talking about Solo, how I'm still not really a huge fan of how we got the name Solo, but I love when it. you make the comparisons, you know, with Ray like you just did, it does make sense and how it could potentially lead to something pretty cool with her story, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, we we'd be only so lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I remember just being at the edge of my seat seeing for this seeing this moment for the first time as Han is talking about Luke and what he did after Return of the Jedi and everything we speculated as fans about the possibilities of what he did about restoring the Jedi Order. And hearing Han say that was really cool, knowing that Luke did what he wanted to accomplish. He established a new Jedi Order, but then as we, as Han says here, and as we later see confirmed in The Last Jedi, that things did not turn out as it should have. But the fact that Luke did do what he set out to do after Return of the Jedi, for a small period of time, anyway, um, he did reestablish or tried to start at the beginnings of a new Jedi Order. Just ended tragically, sadly, just as the yeah. old, one of the old Republic did. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it rises up <laughs> in the next movie. Oh. <laughs> but I love the sort of full circle character arc that Han has in that scene where he's in basically the same spot that he was in in A New Hope. Like the same mm-hmm. room on the Falcon where he watched Luke training with Obi-Wan going, eh, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster. And I've traveled all across the galaxy and I've never seen anything to make me believe in the force. And now he's essentially the Obi-Wan of this movie, passing on those stories to the next generation about the force and the Jedi and telling them, yeah, all that stuff that I used to think was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. It's all real. The Jedi, the force, all of that. It's just really cool to be hearing it from that character and see the way he's mm-hmm. changed all this time. Totally. And that look he gave Ray <laughs> as she was saying, she never knew there was that much green in the galaxy. Just looking at her, kind of feeling either sorry for her or understanding where, you know, knowing when you look back at Solo where all he knew was Corellia and just how what a dark and gloomy place that was. And probably once he got out there, as we saw ex- experiencing new planets and what other life was out there, maybe he's reminiscing about, you know, his own experience when he left his home world for the first time, experienced the galaxy, knowing what Ray's going through here. Mm-hmm. But before it was all speculation about, uh, does he know something of why she was left on Jack? Who is he giving that look because he knows why and he feels bad about it. But you know, that could, as we wait for, the rise of skywalker and find out more about ray and her parents and her backstory that stuff's potentially still on the table but i think it's more so now on maybe just kind of what paul was saying earlier about finding a kindred spirit in ray and seeing a little bit possibly of his past self in her and just going as far as offering her a job as one of his crew members on the falcon is obviously a big deal for him to do that as he tries to make light of it or pass it off saying he won't pay her much or he won't be nice to her mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah she's kind of like stuff. hey you like me and he's like hey hey, hey don't don't get too far ahead of yourself yeah <laughs> but um yeah it's interesting because like you said she definitely is a kindred spirit to him but there is something about that interaction and especially the that way that he looks at her 
when she says, oh, I never knew there was so much green in the galaxy that still makes me wonder if, again, the first time I saw this movie, it made me think like, oh, she's got to be his long lost daughter and he feels responsible for leaving her. But now it's like, you know, I wonder, I don't think that's the case. I think to kill off Han Solo in two movies later, find out like, oh, by the way, that was your dad. I don't know that that would work. But I think maybe he does know something about her past or where she comes from and maybe had some role in holy yeah. crap i just, just seeing that red droid walking out of maz's castle i realized that's a, a droid that you fight in fallen order um not that specific droid but like that spoiler alert jeez uh, oh, well, no, that's what i'm saying it's not that <laughs> character i'm just saying that type of droid appears and i'm like oh wait that looks really familiar um but uh Oh, yeah. Anyway, no, just going back to, to Han and Ray, like, I think he knows something more than he's letting on about who she is or where she comes from or what her role is in all this. And even, you know, Maz says that, too, like when she asks him, hey, who's the girl? Like that kind of insinuates that yeah. <laughs> she knows that Han knows something. But again, I can't help but wonder if that was just stuff that jj planted the seeds of in this movie to maybe pay off later or if that's something that is still going to come to fruition oh here's that really awesome cantina scene where you pretty much go fly by every single alien you look at and you have no idea what you're looking at thanks jj see i don't hate this sequence as much as you do paul in fact i I even go to say i like i don't love it but one of the things i found disappointed about maz kanada's castle in general is that I was expecting and kind of hoping it to feel more like a medieval or a fantasy castle feel to it hmm. instead of just a rundown cantina that you'd find in any planet, it seems like. I was hoping there'd be that more... Because I remember we were talking about this too, Paul, seeing the concept art and just loving the idea that there's a castle and there's that fantasy element that we love so much in Star Wars that it's going to be brought into this movie. And Maz Kanata's castle didn't really live up to that expectation maybe that's our fault but that's what i was hoping for we just didn't get that with what was inside her castle even though it's called a castle yeah this is probably i think one of the best scenes in the sequel trilogy right Mm -hmm. here so far and uh i have to say that if anything i think this scene is going to be more even more important and even more substantial once the rise of skywalker comes out oh absolutely I mean, we know from the trailer we're going to see that mask. Yeah, we're going to see Vader's mask again. I do wish, as cool as it was seeing seeing it in the second teaser, Vader's helmet, and seeing how it looked all charred after Return of the Jedi, how amazing would it have been if we don't know who he's talking to when we're seeing the movie for the first time, and then we see the shot of his helmet. That just would have floored me seeing that Vader sound like that for the first time mm-hmm. in the actual movie and knowing that's what Kylo was talking to. That's true. Yeah. I mean, well, to be fair, we, for those of us who, who spoiled ourselves on some stuff, we had already seen the concept art of it too. Um, of course, yeah, like you said, yeah, Tim, that true. doesn't yeah. necessarily guarantee that it would be in the movie. Cause we also saw some of those leaked concepts of Kylo Ren back when he was the Jedi hunter and had like the cybernetics on his face and all that stuff didn't really pan out. So, um, yeah, if they hadn't seen that in the trailer, man, I would have lost my mind seeing that in the theater for the first time. Yeah, I think that there's obviously this th- that mask in him talking to the mask, I think is going to have triple implications. And 
it is cool to see this in the movie. And then it follows up with a very boring Maz Kanata scene telling <laughs> Ray about the Force and how she's like, oh, you're so old. I've been around the so many things. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, and so, you know, I have to say right here, like, I'm on Finn's side. When she crawls over the table, again, it's so weird. Um, and she's like, let me look at your eyes, honey boy. And then, <laughs> you know, and then... And then Ray just calls her out and says, you don't know anything about me. I see a man who wants to run. Would you blame him? I mean, God, <laughs> if you could see into his soul from his eyes, you probably see he's been through a lot too, you jerk. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, like, I just don't get it. Like, I just, Maz Kanata is the most un, just, she is the most, to me, worthless character of the sequel trilogy. Like, I, if I could literally not think about Maz Kanata forever, I'd probably do it. <laughs> and I still bought the Black Series figure, by the way. <laughs> but what I got, I, and this is, not, I don't, I'm not going to plug the place because you have to pay me to plug it. No, uh, I bought her super cheap for like five bucks. And, I, and I, I, there was a reason why I bought her. Cannon shelf coming soon. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't agree with, with, with her at all. I told, I'm with, I'm with Finn. I'm like, if she came up to me and I was Finn, I'd be like, I'm like, girl, step off right now. First of all, <laughs> you don't know me. You don't know as no Jedi. They they cut those scenes out. I know you don't know the Force as well as you 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 know you're acting like. So it's you know no, back up. So, which by the way, they still haven't released those uh, scenes with with Maz Kanata using the Force, correct? See, I no, I don't think get so. Get exactly what those scenes in what those scenes entail i just remember one of the big cuts was her handing a lightsaber to leia it looked like that we got in the trailer right which i think we might see in episode nine. Oh well i don't know yeah. uh, I, I don't know why maz would be handing the lightsaber to leia when it seems pretty clear that ray has it now well it could be where maybe it just got repaired finally and maybe maz helped built it and before she gave it to ray maybe she gave it to Leia to see and hold one more time, knowing that was her brother's lightsaber and her father's before she gives it to Ray. I mean, there's ways maybe you can work around it. Could be. By the way, this is the scene I was mentioning earlier, where if you just look at the way that Finn's head like looks against the background, they totally CGI or uh, uh, green screen this. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're yeah, totally right. right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think Maz Kanata could show up in this, some of those scenes with Leia, don't get me wrong, but there's a scene, I remember reading or, or hearing about uh, a scene where Maz Kanata uh, uses the Force and brings uh, uh, like stones down mm -hmm. on stormtroopers. And, and so implementing that she actually is a Force user of some sort. And you obviously, she knows the Force, but they totally cut that out, which we'll get into another scene here in a second that they totally cut some of their, or they, they read it some stuff. And I'm curious, we'll get into that in here in a second. Yeah. And I think, but the fact that they didn't even include that on the Blu-ray, because I don't think they did. I know that mm -hmm. I know there's yeah, a deleted, th I know there's a deleted scene that involves like them getting chased through the tunnels by stormtroopers or something, but I don't think they put in the actual scene of her using the force, which makes, no. which makes me think, that you know maybe that's not canon again maybe they shot that or they just had that as an idea it's but not yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah. The, so the fact that they didn't even include that in the deleted scenes i mean it, of course it could just be that it wasn't finished enough or whatever but that does seem like it would be a cool deleted scene but so maybe they decided now let's not make maz like that force sensitive i mean clearly she's in tune with it 
and kind of has some level of of being able to at least like sense things intuitively through the force but she can't actually like use it to influence things physically this scene is so cool and it it, i love how the fantasy element really kicks in high gear in this and this this is more of that castle look and feel (laughs) yeah 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 Mm. for the main aspect of it Right, and so we—I love the setup of this. And I thought JJ JJ did, JJ did a great job of setting this up, showing us that there's more to Ray than what's going on. The, the lightsaber is calling to her. Why is it calling to her? We don't know. There's lots of cool stuff, but what's interesting is there was rumors of this scene being completely reworked, and how. You know, Maz and everyone was supposed to. Re- this this whole thing was supposed to be Maz all holding hands and right. discovering the lightsaber through. And a wasn't there thing. two of them? Like two characters with Maz, like two of the same species that Maz was supposed to be. I, I don't remember, remember that. I don't. I think hmm. you might be right. But what's crazy is that you know she was supposed to run out crying and Han after her, and this was the implication of her being Han and Leia's daughter. Um, because of this this reveal right here, but now they reworked this whole thing. I mean, they this movie was heavily edited, obviously. Uh, oh yeah, or reworked or not edited, but reworked. And but this stuff is this what's great, and this is a great setup. I that, love seeing that this. J, yeah. yeah, and JJ set it up. It's just a bummer that we didn't. I don't. We haven't got a payoff yet, really. Even well, after Last Jedi, you and heck, there, there was even a lot of stuff in this flashback scene that was edited or cut because remember yeah. they actually cast a guy to play a young Luke and we were going to see yep. him fighting Vader on Bespin that's right yeah, yeah and exactly. of course he received the Knights of Ren which gosh I can't wait to read that comic because yeah. oh yeah like this the, I think that scene in the flashback might end up being something completely different than what we thought um even because and again, that maybe could be kind of symbolic because, of course, watching this for the first time, you assume that that's Kylo slaughtering all of Luke's students. But then you see the flashbacks in The Last Jedi and it's like, well, I don't think Ben would have had time to change into his Kylo Ren gear and gather the Knights of Ren to murder all of Luke's students. It's like he probably just kind of went on a rampage. Um but also because in, in The Last Jedi, Luke mentions like he took a handful of my students and slaughtered the rest. And we all assumed that that handful of students were the Knights of Ren. But now, at least from what we've seen from uh, just some like covers from the comic that's been released so far, it seems like that's not the case. So I don't know. Lots to be answered in that comic and in Episode 9 regarding the Knights of Ren and how they play into all this. Yep. I just love that whole sequence of we finally got to see what a force vision could look like for someone who's never experienced it before. And just kind of coming to terms that she has this ability because we got little teases, of course, in the prequels and in the original trilogy of Anakin sensing his mother's in danger and the death of Padme and Luke sensing Han and Lei on cloud city were in pain, but we never see what or saw what they were seeing during those visions. But the fact that we got to experience it with Ray, what a force vision could be like, I just thought it was so cool seeing that in a Star Wars movie for well, the first we, time. We did see some brief glimpses of uh, Padme and Anakin's vision in uh, Very, Re- Revenge yeah. of the Sith, but it obviously was nothing on that level where you see, mm-hmm. you know, where you see Rey in these environments and kind of um, almost experiencing firsthand the stuff that she's seeing. And just her reaction to it is just, I think, so perfect and believable because for someone who's just experiencing 
that for the first time just by touching the lightsaber it could be a traumatic experience for anyone to view that even a jedi probably would be a little shaken up who's fully trained but for someone who has no training that this has got to you know shake him to the core which obviously it does for Rey. she just runs out and even though maz tries to console her and tells her about the force and just immediately thinking back to what she just experienced about the force and how she says i'm never touching that thing again you believe it because that's got to be quite the trip and experience for someone to endure mm-hmm. i also love the fact that she's like they're never coming back but i know someone who could go see luke it's like really i mean ah, it's just ah, it's more maz maz can the, the way they wrote that character in in is so just clunky and just so. Bleh. You mean McClunky? Yeah, <laughs> McClunky. Yeah, pretty much, and, and pretty much, and then, and then it's hilarious because you know Ryan Johnson managed to make it even worse in the next one. So I mean, it's like it's, it's <laughs> that a comedy, I will agree with. <laughs> it's a comedy of errors with this character. I'm, if she shows up in this next movie, I pray to God that she actually has like something redeeming about her. So, and this, and also again, this is a criticism. This is too on the nose, man. What Hux's like, speech right here? Yeah, like we're here's, not Nazis. Here's the thing. I I don't mind it. I don't love Hux as a character in general. And yeah. I was gonna bring this up earlier when we had the scenes with him and Kylo Ren. Like I do like their kind of little rivalry and the I way that they, they're kind of competing for Snoke's affection in a way. And I like the way that Kylo interacts with him, but I don't like I don't love Hux on his own as a character. Um, but I do kind of like that moment with the speech and just how into it he gets. I mean, he really just sells again, similar to Kylo Ren. Like you can tell he's just unhinged and has this like unbridled passion for the the purposes of the First Order, which obviously is wrong and misguided. And we don't know what makes him uh, so passionately willing to commit genocide. But I mean, he sells it that he's into it. Yeah. And we haven't talked about it much, but I'll just bring it up right here because I love the the music here as we see the destruction of the New Republic right here, Hosnian Prime. Yeah, is, which I yeah. I still remember watching this for the first time and thinking yeah, this was Coruscant. Me and too. Being like, like, oh. <laughs> and then they just wipe it out and don't say anything about it for the rest of the movie. And I was like, did they really just like I was not happy about that. And then when I found out later it was a different planet, I was like, they could have made that more clear. They literally yeah. blew up like six planets because they had to get bigger than the original Death Star. It's so dumb. So dumb. I just ugh, I just hate Not the best aspect of the movie, I will agree. Yeah. But. It's just so ridiculous. This this is where it jumps the shark. And like I wouldn't go re- that far, but it, I mean, I, I think I mean, my biggest issue with it is that it kind of just comes out of left field with no setup. Exactly. I mean, that's not the yeah. first time that's not the first time that we've seen Starkiller Base and we you see it in the background and other shots earlier in the movie. But I mean, if you think back to like A New Hope and uh Return of the Jedi, both of those movies, like the Death Star is in the opening crawl. You know from the from the outset that that's going to be the big obstacle that the heroes are trying to overcome is to destroy this huge battle station. Whereas in this movie, it's just kind of like they're all just focused on getting the droid and getting the map to Luke Skywalker and everything. And then halfway through the movie, the bad guys are like, oh, yeah, BT dubs, we can blow up planets now. Yeah, it does feel like something where they're just checking off the box, you know, deadly planet destroying battle station that can destroy multiple planets instead of one. We got to get that in there because Mm -hmm. that's something they might assume 
a Star Wars movie should have, but in fact, we've had two of them already. No other movie needs it <laughs> ever again, in my opinion. But I mean, it doesn't obviously for me. It doesn't ruin the movie. Just one aspect of it that I wish was done a little differently. Yeah, because Starkiller Base is a great looking location, even though it's another snow planet. The fact that you mix it in with kind of it's a planet mixed in with a base, and if you do throw in the backstory of it which i believe like you paul it is true we just got to get official word that it is ilum that just adds more to the location of what that planet be turned into so none mm. of that stuff's in the movie so it doesn't really help it in the context of when you're watching it but when you think yeah. about it there are some cool elements of star killer base and just thinking about it as a third death star yeah i mean and again i think there's ways that they could have worked it into the story to make it more interesting and like you said maybe uh hint that there is some sort of backstory to it or or I don't know have some sort of build up rather than just like okay we're at the halfway point of the movie time to have the bad guys do something big to shake things up mm-hmm. yeah yeah I there are some great shots in here I love Puzzlewood the, the place where they filmed this at and it's it's weird because that the scene where Ray is shooting at uh, Kylo in there, I love that stuff. But I feel like they should have had a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, my biggest disappointment is that when Vanity Fair released those images, you saw Captain Phasma in this battle. She oh, just I forgot she about that. Destruction, and I just felt, oh, cool. She's gonna. This is gonna oh, be yeah, action sequence yeah, in the yeah. movie. And she's not even here. So. <laughs> By the way, that's not the button that ignites the saber. Sorry, that still bugs me. Why? I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. But but this um, is still a fun sequence, though. It's not the oh, best yeah. action sequence of the movie, but this feels, heck, yeah. I I love seeing Han and Chewie just blast stormtroopers with that bowcaster. I like right. seeing Finn with the lightsaber. Yeah, um, like his fight here is really cool. And again, even though he's not a Jedi, like we obviously get just from the fact that he's fighting this guy, we. I think you can assume right from that that stormtroopers are trained in uh, melee combat. So, um, and obviously Finn is proficient enough with it, but he's obviously not, you know, Jedi like. So, um, I, I think, think it's it's just, a- it's just cool to see, uh, you know, just two soldiers going at it, and one of them has a lightsaber, but they're pretty evenly matched. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, a new take on a, an action sequence that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I just, just think it's a, another cool aspect to Finn's character. I mean, everyone was thinking he could be the one who becomes a Jedi because obviously all the marketing was with Finn with the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And But the fact that, like you said, he is just a soldier who knows how to use melee weapons and that translates to a lightsaber. And I don't think just any old soldier can do that. So I think that's a testament to his skill as a soldier and with melee combat that he is able to wield a lightsaber efficiently, not as great as a Jedi would, obviously, but... You know, that's a little uh, claim to fame you can have. As some, you could always say, not a Jedi, but he wielded a lightsaber pretty well. He went up against stormtroopers, went one on one with Kylo Ren, a trained force user. So, mm. just, and, like, like I said, a cool element to his character that he's able to use a lightsaber, but he's not a Jedi. Here's my favorite musical moment of the movie. Um, and of course, the introduction of that beautiful Black One X Wing that Poe's got. Um, and this is just such a cool sequence here. I'm still a little bummed that they changed it from the way it was in that first teaser trailer where it's like yeah. more, it's cloudier and, and not just like broad daylight. And you just, you know, yeah. that's the shot of uh, just that still lake and the X wings kind of all streaking in from the side. 
Um, I still think visually it looked cooler in that teaser, but still just a great fun action scene here um, and just a really cool heroic moment for Poe. Yeah, and as much as, you know, the flack The Force Awakens gets for being not original or whatnot, this scene and even afterwards how there were some complaints that we didn't get a space battle, but I think that's one of the cool aspects of the movie that we got an aerial battle like this in atmosphere. We've never gotten that before in a Star Wars movie with X-Wings and TIE Fighters flying, just doing these cool dogfights. I mean, just look at this run that Poe does here, just mm-hmm. mowing down all these mm-hmm. TIE Fighters in a row. That's a kill this streak really of 10 cool. in one shot. I know that's like the thing I always wanted to do in the first Battlefront that came out the same year when we do Fighter Squadron. Can we get a kill or can I get a kill streak as much as Poe got a Taco Donna in his X-Wing? Because it's just such a cool moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I got to bring up Battlefront at some point. Playing as Poe in Battlefront 2 and flying that X-Wing. So much fun. <laughs> I had a moment just the, I, I had a moment just the other day I played Starfighter Assault and came in like towards the end of the match but I still I got to play as Poe I got you know a few kills and I got to blow up the bridge of the Star Destroyer on uh, that First Order Star Destroyer map just so cool getting to recreate heroic moments like that this is another cool sequence too was Kylo just showing off his skill with the lightsaber and his force abilities his force paralysis is that the official name for it but <laughs> i don't know if that's an official name for it but yeah it's cool because we saw him moving this we, movie anyway yeah we saw him do it earlier in the movie with the blaster bolt and now seeing he can do it on people as well yeah i kind of wish that this was they had a little more of a fight a little more interaction instead of like i freeze you and then, well we get that later <laughs> on though, so. I like how you make him sound like dark helmet i know i had to, I had to. <laughs> um yeah the I do think the Takadana fight, like, in theory, was cool. It just was not executed the best way. It doesn't look that cool. It just looked like they they had the interior of the of – the, they shot interior and then went, okay, let's just throw some rocks together and say I'm blown up. It's like, well, yeah, I don't know about this. It would have been nice to see the actual destruction of the castle because we see a little bit of it being shot at and crumbled down. But if we kind of saw it over the course of the battle, just how – yeah it got as as we see it right now would have been a little better but i still really like it overall Mm -hmm. yeah well the degree disagree this is not it's not bad this isn't bad per se it's just not great to me yeah i'm i'm with tim i like it i think it's a cool scene cool scenery of that castle getting destroyed um i just think there was potential for it to be even cooler i would agree with that (laughs) well yeah if they had brought phasma in like you wanted Oh, of course. But number one reason. <laughs> Why couldn't they just bring in Phasma? But also, I mean, it being kind of the midpoint of the movie, I wasn't expecting it to be the, uh, you know, like a huge climactic action scene or anything like that. Right. It, well, it is the better spaceship battle of the two we get in this movie. So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, would agree, I would agree with that. <laughs> Again, just because of that cool entrance and then the heroic moments that Poe gets and stuff like that. And we get the return of not one, but two iconic characters from the original trilogy where the crowd goes wild in the Mm -hmm. theater for the first few screenings. Yeah, I still love 3PO just interrupting that moment. Goodness, Han Solo. 
Oh, the stupid red arm. God, what <laughs> of all memes? <laughs> oh, that was such... Those memes were so much fun. They were. They were so good. <laughs> who are you? Someone who loves you. Oh, I almost didn't recognize you with that red arm. <laughs> They're so, they were so great. Those were short-lived, but yet probably my favorite Star Wars memes of all time. Yeah. It's also really interesting to me, like, if you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff of them filming these scenes, Leia had a different hairstyle. It was basically that same thing, but with, like, a braid coming down over her shoulder, and they completely CGI'd that out. Yeah, this... I hate to say it, but I think they CGI'd... Or, they CGI'd. They uh, reshot a lot with with Carrie Fisher or edited around her performance, because... Yeah, there's some scenes coming up here that are really rough and they can they just are really it's clunky. It's muck clunky for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can ever say anything is clunky in Star Wars again without somebody thinking of that. That's fair. But um And remember one of the biggest things I remember about the early leaked set photos we would get and speculation about this. Remember that one shot of what looked to be Adam Driver walking on the set? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're taking me way back, Tim. This is like 2014 stuff. Yeah. All that speculating. Of, oh, Kylo Ren or uh, Adam Driver. We probably at that, that time, we were, everything we were speculating about him, probably what Poe ended up being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But even though it wasn't a very clear photo, it did look like Adam Driver. <laughs> also, I'm so glad that uh, that they ended up like that. J.J. Abrams was able to rewrite uh, Poe back into the movie because remember, originally he was supposed to just die yeah. on that crash in Jakku. Right. Um, and it's so hard to like imagine what the movie would have been like if that had happened because obviously Poe has become such an integral character in the sequel trilogy now. I know. Ryan Johnson did so many great things with him in the last movie. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be fun. There's one one more or half a movie to go, then we're there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm I probably totally, like, it's not going to be as bad as everyone says it is. I, I, I swear it's not going to be as crazy. I don't know. One we'll of my see. other not too favorite things of the movie is just Dakar in general and just the base of how it looked. It's, and this mm-hmm. scene right here with like Chewie and she's like, are you so brave? It is so weird and out of place. I yeah. keep wondering, I'm like that, the actress who plays that character has got to be like JJ Abrams aunt or somebody who's like, I want not, I want a cameo, but I want like a speaking line. Apparently she's from Downton Abbey or something like that, whatever that is. So huh. that's why she's in the movie or, and listen to this. You can complain about Phantom Menace all you want. I'll take Jar Jar stepping in. Look, it can go over that any day. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They might be about on par. I don't know about that. What do you guys think about the whole deal with R2 here being in low power mode and just not you know, coming to until the end of the movie and just the direction they decided to take R2 there. I mean, 
him yeah. waking up at the end of the movie, it's a little deus ex machina. Like, oh, we've we defeated the bad guys and now suddenly R2 remembers the last piece of the map or whatever. But um, mm. I don't know. I mean, obviously they're they're kind of making like BB-8 is the new R2 of this of this trilogy. And so I think to yeah. avoid them kind of having the same role, they almost turn R2 into like the old man droid. Yeah, because I do kind of like the idea of what they were going for. More so, if he was just totally bummed and depressed of what happened with Luke, that he just you know goes to low power mode and doesn't want you know there's nothing for him to do, so to speak, without Luke. And just after everything he's been through with Anakin, the Clone Wars, and just everything up until this point, maybe it's like R two just kind of had enough and just needs a break and time to recharge but at the same time too i do like the idea that even if that was the case he's still kind of doing his thing to help everyone out looking for the last piece of that map but like you said it is a little convenient that at the very end when the battle is won he wakes up and finds it and decides to show it to everyone so that's the one element that just feels a little too convenient but it's also convenient that even to begin with that they just have a map to luke skywalker um, yeah. which of course yeah. I, I'm assuming, and I think it's, it's pretty clear that we can assume that like, it's a map that Luke followed to get to where he was going. And he left this map behind, but in pieces and didn't want anybody to follow him. So the map itself does not pinpoint, like it doesn't have a GPS tracker. It's not a, a it's not a bounty hunting fob from the Mandalorian that points you right to Luke Skywalker. It's the map that he followed to get to where he is now. But the fact that everybody just refers to it as, oh, we have a map straight to Luke Skywalker. It's like, that's a little weird. See, what am I, I don't even want to call it a disappointment. Because again, when you're looking at rumors and speculation and all this stuff, it's hard to be disappointed when you're just building up in your head. But I just remember thinking that the real MacGuffin of the movie was going to be Luke's lightsaber. Mm. and Or I should say Anakin and Luke's lightsaber. And just how that was going to be the thriving force to find him. And I think this would have been a cool aspect you know, going into more of the title of The Force Awakens and having the Force be a big thing of this movie, where Ray's the only one who can use it to sense where Luke is at, and that's their direction to find Luke, and not just the map that anyone can find and get to him. But mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't have speculated that way. But I thought that would have been a cool element. But this right here, this is such a great scene, and yeah, it might be a little strange to say, but one of the best fight scenes in the movie because. They have a battle of the minds right here with the force, mm-hmm. and it's just awesome mm, to yeah, see yeah. them both play out and just trying real hard to overtake <laughs> each other with their force abilities. It's just really well done. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's not what you would think of as a fight scene, but it's definitely a confrontation that they're both, you know, sort of fighting to win. They're fighting against each other mentally and through the force. Yeah, there's this is. Great stuff. I wish they had more Ray and Kylo Ren stuff. Again, this is stuff in the TLJ that I really I loved. I loved all Ray and Kylo Ren stuff. And this is more they have a better chemistry than you would anticipate these two characters having. And I think that's why I'll be honest, I think that's why I think people love Raylo so much. Is that it's it's and I don't think in my opinion it's not a sexual tension. Um or whatever. But there is a chemistry between these two characters and these and these actors, and it's unfortunate that uh, they don't have as much as screen time as we wish they did have together. And 
that does make me feel really excited for the rise of Skywalker to see them kind of interact together. And, and we already know that they have a connection. We don't know what that is. Cause they've talked about that in vanity fair article. And, but there is a connection between, between these two people and I can't wait to see what that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Such great acting here by Daisy. Yeah. Lee. And this is, I think when you look on the documentary, when they showed her test footage of her audition, where she was doing this scene right here, and this is what really sold JJ and how great she was going to be. And she was great in that test footage right there, but even better in the final scene, just sowing the tears running down her face when Kyle is probing her mind. But then you just see her right now just fighting back with all of her force ability, just taking it to Kyle. And I just love the fact that it's the words, you're afraid that you will never be as strong as Darth Vader that just defeats Kylo in this moment because <laughs> everything he's striving for is she just shoots right back at him and just throws it out his face wasn't expecting it and he just you know <laughs> kind of cowers away and just no way he can't win this fight right here I just love it that mm-hmm. it kind of all centers back to Vader yeah definitely but I mean like you were saying Tim it's a great showcase for her because it's you know she has to play the full range of emotions from Ray's like fear and vulnerability um, and her, you know, that kind of emotional state and then bouncing right back to um, kind of her strength and ferocity and pushing back against him and, and her tenacity and willingness to fight. I think that's part of the moments too. We're talking about the beginning of the title with The Force Awakens. Those are one of the elements that I think ties in and showcases what the title is mean obviously the force is awakening in ray and even in kylo too because i remember could you as snoke says you know there's been an awakening the dark side and the light because kylo is coming you know into his own as a force user and his full potential but the dark side as ray is beginning as well but seeing their powers on display here is that was some of the things i was excited about and hoping to see once we got that title reveal it was moments like that where there were having their force battle with their minds right there. So it was just mm. really cool to see. I just love it so much. Yeah, definitely. And then of course here, here's her tricking James Bond. <laughs> Which I knew he was going to have a cameo in it, but I didn't know this was him right here. Maybe it's because I haven't seen the Daniel Craig Bond movies. I could have picked up on his voice, but I don't oh, mind well, out it was him after the fact. Yeah, I've seen those movies, but even still, like this doesn't sound exactly like him. Okay. I haven't seen too many of his movies now that I think about it. And of course, this is one of those scenes where, you know, some people have an issue with like, oh, how is she able to mind trick him like on her second try when she's never been taught that or anything? But um, I mean, obviously, I don't know. I've never had an issue with it. And it's like, I know, obviously, especially at this age when she has... You know, she hasn't had any training in the force, but she's kind of learned to survive on her own and get by. And I think thing a lot of things just kind of come naturally to her. And I think obviously there is an element of the force that you have to be trained in, but there's also an intuitive element to it as well. Um, and I think we've seen that also like in other whether it's in the movies or in other stories in canon. Uh, you know, sometimes when somebody will like lash out with the dark side or something and, you know, use a, a force power that they've never seen before or just tap into the force in a new way. I think um, 
you know, it wasn't so much Ray being like, oh, I'm going to use this perfect Jedi mind trick, even though nobody's ever taught me. It was almost more just her sort of adapting to her circumstances. It's like, hey, I, I sense the force and I'm just going to kind of do whatever I can to use it to my advantage right here to try to get out of the situation. She probably doesn't even realize like, oh, I just I just executed a Jedi mind trick. It's like she was, you know, maybe even not even sure that she could do that or not, you know, sure what was going to happen. But um, just her kind of being intuitive yes. with the force in that way. Yeah, I never really had a problem with it either because we see her trying to do it and fail. And I think without her knowing it, she was heeding Yoda's advice, do or do, do, or do not. There is no try because mm-hmm. when she's trying mm-hmm. to do it, wow. she's failing. But then she just kind of see her, lets it all go. She gets it all relaxed and she just says it. And you hear that sound effect of the Jedi mind trick go into effect against that stormtrooper. So it's always kind of like she just realized she just did it, trusted in the force, maybe not realizing it to the full extent that a Jedi would. But when she came to that realization and just that calm that came over her and trusting in the force, I think she that's when it worked for her. So I just thought it was sold out or told, or I shouldn't say told, but <laughs> showed to the audience pretty well that is, for me anyway, making it believable where she did try it, failed, but the way she was directed and the way Daisy really acted to make you really believe that this time she was trusting in the force and when it worked. Mm-hmm. And I think also too, I mean, something else that we've seen is that different Jedi sometimes have different affinities for the force or maybe like a certain yeah. ability or a certain aspect of the force that just comes naturally to one specific Jedi. Um, and so I think maybe for Ray, it's that, you know, connection with other people and that sort of just, empathy and intuitiveness and because right before that i mean she didn't use a a jedi mind trick with kylo but she was able to resist his attempts at mind control and then kind of push that back against him um and then probably was tapping into some of that she's like oh you know what i just did this kind of mental connection thing with kylo ren let me see if i can do the same thing on this stormtrooper so maybe that's like one particular aspect that just comes naturally to her well, and I think that, again, we don't know her background. We don't know the significance of how powerful she really is. And if we go what, at face value of what The Last Jedi tells us, and then I'm not trying to dog Last Jedi here. I'm just kind of going by what, what they establish is that she, you know, darkness rises, light to meet it. And Luke also says, I never felt this powerful, seen someone this powerful yet since Ben Solo, basically. And... So there's a significance about her that she's way more powerful than I think that Luke even like, you know, mm. he has even said himself, like, you're as powerful as I am. We don't know how powerful Ben and Ray are compared to him. He hasn't really said anything about that. Again, going back into the Rise of Skywalker, I think we're going to get more significance of why she's able to do those things. Because I don't think JJ, I'll give JJ some credit. I think he's the one advantage he has is he sees all our criticisms. And when I say all our criticisms, I mean all of the criticisms that the the big ones that he can look back and say, yeah, this, this, I need to, I need to correct this or not correct, but I need, I need to explain this, that kind of thing. I think that's definitely going to be addressed, obviously. And let's wait and see what that, if, if he doesn't do that, then yeah, then there's, then that's a lazy writing in my opinion. But I'm willing to I'm willing to give it the benefit the benefit of the doubt at this point because we just don't know the significance of Frey and how much how powerful she really is and, and maybe she is some kind of virgin in the force or 
or a clone or so what i have no idea i've avoided every spoiler i know to man i one thing i always hate is the ray is just an average jedi why can't she just be like our average powerful jedi i'm like because that doesn't make any sense you know <laughs> it's like it's like it's like if that's the case then it's just not special there's nothing it's, it's not exciting or, or you know it's it doesn't make sense to me it's like oh average jedi can just take out kylo ren and the emperor cool well, okay, know. hang on, hang on, hang on. We'll talk about Kylo Ren when we get to the end of this movie, but there's a good uh, reason why she's able to beat him. Yeah. But I think uh, I agree with what you're saying, Paul. They've established so much just in this movie alone that there's just something special about her with within the Force. To me, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I mean, it would be really disappointing, like you were saying, where that whole anyone could be a hero or a Jedi type. They we talked that nauseam about that, how that's not our favorite <laughs> direction that they could go with Ray. But I that's why I just find it so hard to believe they could do that because they're showing how special she is. And they're again we said it before, there are special people with force abilities like more so than just any other Jedi. So it's just it's not something new, but it's almost again, every generation seems to have that type of force user and i think ray is this mm. generation's force user like that for the galaxy so it's clearly not finn that's no. not how the force works <laughs> but you know what one though? of the best hot moments in the movie man. yeah <laughs> it's so great what one of the things i i think that we what i want to see in this uh next movie i wouldn't mind uh finn being force sensitive see, i'm kind of hoping not like i said earlier it was him using the lightsaber i just think it adds more to his character where yeah, I think I I agree with you, Tim. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be opposed to him being a Jedi, but I think having a guy that's just a normal guy, just a common soldier who's good with weapons and is willing to take up a Jedi weapon and isn't afraid of like, oh, I can't use this. He's like, nah, it's a weapon. I'm going to use it and I'm going to take it up and defend my friends. Um I think that's cool. And obviously it was sort of a misdirection because in all the marketing, like we thought Finn was going to be the Jedi and then, you know, they're just saving it for that reveal of Rey. Why don't you just, why don't you just parade Ray Rando around while you're at it, guys? <laughs> oh, hey, we're never going to hear that from me. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I would like for, Finn to have more significance himself, and and not that he if he wasn't a Jedi he wouldn't have significance, but I just like the character so much. I would love and I would just love to have him have be force sensitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it would be cool, but I I think regardless, he is going to get a bigger role in the Rise of Skywalker and get some more significance to his character, um, whether he's a oh, Jedi yeah, I agree. or not. Yeah. No, I agree. I and I I'll be honest, I. Why haven't they released a uh, Finn new Finn Black Series figure? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. I mean, I guess they haven't released a Poe one either. It's just been uh, Ray and Kylo. I'm all about it. I can't. I, the, honestly, that's probably the, one of the Black Series figures uh, of the new characters that I'm really anticipating of of, of going out and buying. Like Poe, I'm like meh. But with uh, with Finn, I'm really excited. I love his new costume in the in the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh. Not the way I expected Phasma to go out in this movie. <laughs> I did. Is there a garbage shoot? Trash compact? I love the way his eyes light up when he says that. Yeah, that's all great, but <laughs> I, love I didn't know that was going to be the last I was going to see a Phasma in the movie. This scene is so great. It's a scene of just people telling, like, tell, playing a game of telephone 
to like do something. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I like, mean, we got the same you... thing in Rogue One. Not really. They do it. There's literally four or three people that like does it, says the same thing over and over again, like back and forth. It's like, are you kidding me? I don't know. That doesn't bother me. No, this is a pretty cool shot here where the camera looks like it's in between the wings of the X-Wing. Agreed. There are some cool shots that we haven't seen before in a Star Wars movie for an aerial battle. Like when you're getting that first person view inside the cockpit where you're just seeing missiles fly out and seeing ships being hit and crashed down. That is a cool perspective. Mm -hmm. But no damage. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, too, I'm not the biggest fan of Snap Wexley, and I think that has a lot to do with the aftermath books and just how much of an annoying character he was in there and knowing (laughs) he grows up that he's snapping the movie like uh I'm not in the uh, listen. I, I, I'm listening to a Rebel uh, or Resistance Reborn, and there's a part where uh, Temin slash Snap, like Snap, like no pun intended, snaps back <laughs> at his mom and goes, "Who let Temin Snap?" Yeah, I just, so I just read that part not too long ago. Oh, really? It's so ridiculous. <laughs> like, know. oh my gosh, I need to finish that book. Yeah, yeah I do too. I'm only a few chapters. I'm enjoying it. it a lot, but when you got the Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order, yeah. <laughs> books kind of fall to you know the back burner. For it, yeah, that was the same for me. I started reading it, and then Mandalorian and Jedi Fallen Order came out. But now that I've finished Fallen Order, I'm going to go back and finish reading that before Rise of Skywalker. Smart, really, really fast. Tim, is is it is it getting better from there? Because I'm I'm stuck at that part right now with Snap and you know who, and I'm just like, come on, let's get going here. I liked it at first. It's kind of slowed down for me since then. I believe that's probably the last chapter I read, so <laughs> I'm not even beyond that. Just yet. oh well. I've liked I've liked a decent amount so far, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, but back to the the commentary at hand. We're gonna do book commentary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can save that for later. Um, that's a whole different podcast. But obviously, a nice reunion between Finn and Ray there. Um, and obviously she's re- resourceful enough to be able to escape on her own, but still just really touched that, uh, you know, these new friends that she has were willing to come back for her. Yeah. Thankfully they resisted on not doing another version of, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper <laughs> somehow? <laughs> oh yeah. But this is a shot I'm talking about. I just love that perspective. stinking resistance you see if they were able to penetrate that shield and get into where they needed to go and destroy the reactor and weren't getting shot down like flies Han, Ray, and Finn and Chewie could all just left in the Falcon maybe help them out a little bit and Han wouldn't have died see, it's, it's the resistance fault <laughs> they need to be better pilots <laughs> yeah you know this is Han going from being the uh not just the smuggler, but his old instincts as the resist or the rebel general kicking in where he's like, nah, we can't just get Ray and get out. We got to yeah. help win the fight. And he still holds that blaster like he always did. And Harrison Ford didn't lose his touch and that would fire a blaster. It just looks so, oh, yeah, so good not. seeing on in this yeah. action sequence again. Well, he is a Harrison Ford is a great actor. Kind of. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> yeah, he's all right. I, it's funny. I I love this performance initially, 
in this movie, but after watching it many, many times since then, probably a, a little more rough for me. It's, he, really? He tell, really? Yeah, I, he, I think he does a good job still, but there's parts where I think he's kind of mailing it in. I don't know. But, I love it. But yeah, this, I never got but that this is great. But this this is great, though. Yeah, doesn't get better than this. No, he he delivers a great performance here, and that there's no doubt. I and while say, we're talking about performances, I know this one is a little more uh, sort of underrated, but Yunusu Otamo did a fantastic job taking over as Chewbacca, yeah. too. I know we probably mentioned that on our solo commentary, but, um, I mean, even though Peter Mayhew still got credit as Chewbacca in this movie, I mean, they, it was kind of split, um, and Eunice did a lot of the a lot more of the scenes where Chewie had to be more physically active, obviously. So I'm pretty sure that was him yeah. there planting the charges and everything. And you can't even tell it's two different actors. Like he did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's so great about it. Yeah. 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 The scene was kind of ruined for me in, in the uh, special features for Force Awakens. They show like behind the scenes of, of, of Adam and, and uh, Harrison Ford, you know, doing these scenes together. And uh, he's Hans in full costume with tennis shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> and it just it brings me out. I'm just like, Hey, it's not as bad as uh, Peter Cushing being in slippers as Tarkin. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. There's precedent for that in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. No, this this part right here is the one thing I did not know um, was coming, and that was when I had no idea what Kylo Ren's real name was. Yeah. And oh, so yeah, when, I didn't and know so that I avoided, Yeah, so I avoided everything. That was the one thing I didn't know going into this. So when he was walking, when this scene came up, I'm like, all right, here we go. What's his name going to be? What's his name going to be? And then when he yells Ben, I went, oh, that is so perfect. Yeah. That is so perfect. I mean, that was – and it's again, I love I, – this is, this is a great scene. I probably – this may maybe one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars. Him no, yelling his son's yeah. name. It's so good. Mm-hmm. And just the way the stage is set with him out on this bridge and, of course, all the stormtroopers looking on and Chewie and Ray and Finn looking on and – um Gosh, the way that this scene is lit, too, with the light coming in from outside, but all the the sort of dramatic red lighting around them, but then mm-hmm. the, the natural light coming in from outside and the way it dwindles as the um, the sun gets sucked out by Starkiller Base, and it's just like the scene gets darker and darker and redder and redder as it goes. It's just shot and staged so perfectly. Yeah, I think it really is the perfect scene on all levels. The performances obviously but like you were saying kyle how it was shot and then the music that plays again going into john williams brilliance for creating such great emotional pieces of music this one called torn apart it, i just mm. love it just everything about this scene is perfect it's a sad tragic scene but to me you could describe it as a beautiful scene too as well as a father trying to get his son back and his son showing his father the struggles that he is having here and just how as he said, it's tearing him apart. And again, I've said this when we did our movie review, when we did our top five new era Star Wars moments. This was my number one. I think it was yours too, Paul. But the idea of Kylo being tempted here, not by the dark side, he's being tempted by the light and just how it flipped things over from what we've known before in previous Star Wars movies about being tempted by the dark side. But we're seeing someone being tempted by the light and we just see what a struggle it is for him. And again, going back to the performances, Adam Driver is so great here showing being the son who's looking for help from his father and Harrison Ford being that loving father is going to do anything for his son. But yet Kylo takes that the wrong way. As he says, anything he takes at that, that means he'll die for him. Mm-hmm. And 
believing that's what he needs to fully purge the light from him and just embrace the dark side. It's just so well done. I just love this scene so much. One, yeah. Like you said, Kyle, or Paul, I think it was, you said it's just one of the best scenes in Star Wars, I think, now. It's up there. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, obviously some of the best performances from some of these or from both of these actors right here. Um, like I said earlier, too, just the, the characters and the dialogue and the acting in this movie is some of the best in the whole saga. But, um, yeah, I kind of regret, like, when we did our top five moments and you guys both had this at number one, and I'm like, I'm not sure how I ended up leaving this off my list, but this is definitely... If we were to go back and redo that now, I don't know if this would be my number one moment of the sequel trilogy, but it definitely would make my list. Again, we'll have just, to do it again. We'll probably have to do that again once the Rise of Skywalker hits. You know what? You're right. Yeah, we should do that. Maybe heck, after Rise of Skywalker, we should do a top ten. There'll be too many. I mean, heck, yeah. we'll have five movies of the Disney era by that point. You'll have to just pick one scene from each movie, and that's going to be hard. Maybe sprinkle in some Mandalorian moments in there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, in that case, we definitely have to do a top ten. Even though I knew Han was going to die in this movie, I'm sure like a lot of people either knew or assumed, just didn't know how he was going to die. Yeah. And, well, like, again, unfortunately, I feel like that was one thing that I did get spoiled on because I read a report that, and I don't know if it, I don't remember it being detailed exactly like this, but I do remember it. They talked about it being on the snow planet and they're inside a base and he gets struck down by Kylo Ren. And I was kind of disappointed because in my head, I was like, well, if Han Solo is going to die, he's got to go out in a space battle in the Millennium Falcon and just him and Chewie going out in a blaze of glory. And I never would have thought he would have gone out like this. But then, of course, finding out that Ben Solo is his son and just building that uh, that tension and that drama and that family dynamic between them, I think that was a perfect way to do it. And one of my favorite things about it and what sells the emotion of seeing Han die is Chewie's reaction to that roar he lets out and the pain he's the pain he feels there is showcasing what the audience members feel and every star wars fan seeing han solo die and i just mm-hmm. love the fact that jj gave chewie a moment there have him shoot kylo ren <laughs> he doesn't take him out but the fact that chewie got a little hit in there i just i appreciate shoot, that so much yeah shoot kylo and then taking out all these stormtroopers and then he blows up the base like chewie gets his revenge for sure mm-hmm. well and, i th- there was a great uh fan art that was i think i know what you're talking about yeah 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 where where chewy was like yeah the little like little one-page comic or cartoon where uh chewy goes for the head and then thinks about growing up with little Mm -hmm. ben and then goes for the stomach that actually is a great great little little comic and kudos to whoever created that Uh, that's a great great yeah i get yeah i thought about that that being the case it's just so (laughs) great to think about that yeah yeah See, I know you were talking about, Paul, how the second half of this movie doesn't hold up to the beginning of it. But I think I agree kind of what you're saying in the middle on Taco Donna a little bit. But I think things pick up into high gear or just as good, if maybe not better than what we got in the beginning. I like this. This, this is stuff. great. The mm-hmm. space battle is just boring. Yeah, that yeah, kind of th- takes away from it a little bit. But the space, I mean, to me, the space battle is all right. Again, I like the the sort of in atmosphere battles because we haven't really seen that before. It's mostly just them flying down the trench. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, again, like it looks cool and everything, but it's such an obvious callback to the death star trench run. It's like, it's a little too on the nose. Um, The thing is the movie doesn't need it either. You got everything just in this drama filled with Ray against 
or right now Finn against Kylo, but then later Ray and Kylo. That's all you need for a truly satisfying climactic battle sequence. Mm-hmm. By the way, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, we talked about Kylo Ren and how much we love him as a character, but the design of that lightsaber and especially, oh. I mean, especially here in this scene with it just crackling in the snow and the sound design of it. I That yeah. might be my favorite thing about his lightsaber is the way it sounds, especially when he twirls it and stuff. But gosh, just the the visual brilliance of having a lightsaber fight in a snowy forest at nighttime mm-hmm. like this was just so cool. Yeah, I have to I have to say that. The the reveal of the cross guard lightsaber was such an interesting thing. You guys remember when it, it got leaked out? Yeah. Got, uh-huh. well, well, Kylo Ren himself got leaked out, but you couldn't make out the costume super well. All but what you could really see was the lightsaber, and everyone started complaining. Oh, that cross guard! The cross guard is like, you know, and all this well, stuff. So that and, was the thing that led a lot of people to believe. Oh, it's a fake image. There's no mm-hmm. way that's yeah, real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember that because because I remember you could kind of see the mask, and because I specifically remember thinking it looked like Darth Revan, and I loved the look of the mask and the costume. But I was like, I hope that lightsaber is fake. But then when we saw it in the teaser trailer for the first time, I was like, oh, now, okay, I'm sold. It looks cool. Yeah, that's the thing about the lightsaber. I I was initially not into it, but for whatever reason, I got it from that that trailer. I was like, I'm in. Don't need – I'm good. I don't I don't need – everyone you know, kept complaining, but now we've all kind of accepted it. Mm. And now also what, what's really fascinating is we know how red lightsabers are created, which they are now bled yeah. And so what's cool is he bled that lightsaber. And what's also interesting is that his his kyber crystal is cracked for mm-hmm. whatever reason. So it is now not only cracked, but it's it, he has the exhaust, um, the uh, cross uh, guard, whatever, is basically there to keep his lightsaber from blowing up, essentially, from what I understand. So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what the canon reason for him doing. Yeah, that it's supposed is. to be. It's it's a cross guard, but it's also essentially like venting excess energy off to again, the sides. Yeah, because it's because it is it 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 is his kyber crystal. That's why he wants to keep it, and that's why he bled. He probably bled it too much. I'm almost assuming. Yeah, and he cracked. That's what's so cool. And again. We're probably going to get something like that in the comic book coming out. Probably. <laughs> it's that same writer who uh, introduced that in his comic series was Car- Charles Soule, and he is writing the comic book. Well, wasn't no, that think... actually introduced in the Ahsoka novel, the whole concept of uh, ble- bleeding the kyber crystal? Well, it's it's not – if I remember correctly, in, in Ahsoka, she grabs the lightsaber. She uses – she grabs the kyber crystal from the – for the Inquisitor – and then when she takes it, it turns white. It, go, it goes from red to white. So well, I think she has. I way, think though. she has to like purify it. But yeah. they talk about the the yeah. process of bleeding it. Obviously, she doesn't do that, but they they talk but about it. That wasn't well. They may have talked about it, but it wasn't. But in the comic book series, and again, this I think this is a George thing. To be honest, I honestly think this is a definitely a George Lucas thing because this is a, a canon thing. This is not like a something that a writer came up with and goes, oh, that was idea. I think this is something steeped in George Lucas because it just seems like a very Lucas thing. And I I know when I was, I remember when Revenge of the Sith came out, I always wanted it to be, 
you know, why does he have a red lightsaber right away? Why didn't he just get a red one? No, 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 no. Like, I love the idea that it's a process, and yeah. I love the idea of a, it's well, not just like we got to fight even a brand new uh, kyber crystal that's red. No, no, you have to bleed that bad boy. Yeah, but even so, like, I mean, I like that idea of having to bleed the crystal. But even if you could just get a red one, like, it's not like the Jedi Temple it just keeps a bunch of red crystals around. Like, he would still have to go get that from somewhere. Oh, right, right. But I, but I think the bleeding is such a cooler, interesting co- concept to like. You corrupt. You literally corrupt this connection to the force, and and thus makes it red. Yeah, super cool. But anyway, with this lightsaber fight right here, I know some people give it flack for not being as like as intense or as sort of well choreographed as some of the fights from the prequels or whatever. But I love it from a storytelling perspective because again, you you know, Ray obviously fights well enough. You know, we've seen her fight with her staff on Jakku and everything, and she has that intuition with the force, like we talked about that she's able to fight well enough to hold her own. And then you have Kylo Ren, who's obviously a much more skilled fighter, but he, first of all, just killed his father, which, you know, as Snoke talks about in The Last Jedi, like split him to the bone and made him unfocused and unbalanced. Um, And then he also just got shot in the ribs by Chewie with that bowcaster. And we've seen earlier in the movie how powerful that thing is. I mean, it's shattered stormtrooper armor and knocked them off their feet. So the fact that he's even still standing and able to fight says something about his fortitude um and so obviously this is not two like skilled masters of the force going at it like this is supposed to be uh sort of a a raw intense kind of rougher on the edges type of fight um Mm -hmm. but regardless of the skill level or the the uh choreography like again just the visual of those two lightsabers clashing in the dark snowy forest, I think is so beautiful. It's one of my favorite lightsaber battles just visually. Um, and then also from a story standpoint, like knowing the, the emotion of both of the characters, um, knowing obviously where Kylo's at having just killed his father and, you know, not getting the satisfaction from that and the immediate sort of resolve that he thought he would get. And then Ray, who has kind of been torn on this whole Jedi and force thing this whole time. And it seems like she's, finally embracing it for the first time in defense of her friends you know she's avenging han and she's defending finn um and so it's just it's more of a cool sort of story and character fight um and again just visually is is beautiful as well totally agree i mean i've heard the complaints about this too of how oh, how could ray defeat kylo in this lightsaber battle like, everything's coming too easy for her i mean people who make those complaints i don't think have a leg to stand on for all the reasons nope. you just mentioned kyle I mean, so I won't repeat it, but everything you said is dead on why that fight makes total sense and why it is a great lightsaber fight, even though, like you said, it is not the most well choreographed, but that's how it's supposed to be with where these two characters are at right now. And just going back to that great moment to when Ray takes the lightsaber, I mean, being in the theater opening night with that, that was one of the coolest theater experiences to see in the crowd erupt when that lightsaber went into her hands. I don't think I've heard a crowd react that way in a movie theater quite like that in a, in a long time anyway. But seeing that reaction just helped made that experience, seeing it for the first time, so magical. Just how everyone was just all in on it and just totally rooting for Ray in that moment. And just seeing her with that lightsaber, like you said, kind of fully embracing the force for the first time and using it for for good and for, like you said, protecting and defending her friends which is what the jedi are known to do as yoda says 
you know, the Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. And that's what she's doing there. But just seeing that struggle of the lightsaber not fully coming out and Kylo Ren not be able to grab it like so easily like he should have. And just knowing that he is the rightful heir to it, so to speak, being of the Skywalker bloodline. And it just skips right past them into Rey. That's another thing that <laughs> leads into that discussion, to that discussion of Rey having significance with the Force that I think will get paid off in The Rise of Skywalker once we know her full backstory and her connection to Kylo Ren. I just think all the stuff we're going to get with these two characters and what's been teased is only going to make what's already a powerful scene that we got in this movie even more so if it's all handled right and it's pulled off as great as we're hoping. But regardless... Mm-hmm. It's just such a great moment in this movie and in Star Wars in general, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, And even, you know, talking about the lightsaber where you said, you know, it signifies something with her, not just the fact that she was able to pull it. But, you know, I don't know if we mentioned this back at the the Maz Kanata scene, the fact that the lightsaber was even calling to her and that she even had that vision in the first place when she touched it. That was another thing that when I watched this movie for the first time made me think, okay, so she has some connection to Luke or to the Skywalker lineage. Um. But again, I don't know if it's if she necessarily has ties to that bloodline or if it's more just the force um, Mm -hmm. sort of passing that torch to her in a more metaphorical sense. Like she's not the next like Skywalker by blood, but it's like this was Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. He was the chosen one. Then it was Luke's and he had to redeem him. And, you know, now this is passing on to you because you're the next, uh, you know, that's sort of champion of the force. So what the Skywalkers have been up to this point. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of significance I'm talking about that I hope to see with her, even if it's not, you know, blood relation, but Mm -hmm. she is that next chosen one, so to speak, Yeah, which is implied by the lightsaber choosing her. And I always go back and thinking about that moment, you know, is the lightsaber calling to her to choose her or is it calling to her to have her be the vessel or the one to take him or to take the lightsaber back to Luke? Uh, But once we get into The Last Jedi we kind of see where I really think it was the lightsaber calling to her, but she didn't realize that just yet. I prefer that the, the force is, is calling to her. Like it, it want it's choosing her to take this lightsaber because mm-hmm. it could, if that was the case, it'd be like, Hey, you're kind of force sensitive. Come down here. Take me. It's like, that's not, I don't think that's the case. I think it very specifically is calling out to Ray and, we said better be and it better be significant. But anyway. <laughs> it just it just seems it just seems like that makes the most sense. And again, if you downplay Ray's significance, like anyone could be a Jedi, anyone could take a lightsaber defeat Kylo Ren. It's like oh, it's so lame. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, people. If you like think that's compelling, I just we have to agree to disagree. But then, of course, R2 finally wakes up. They, they complete the map, the, the magical map that points right to Luke Skywalker. Um, and I remember how JJ had to explain in an interview later just how R2 got that map location. <laughs> yeah. Kylo says when he's having that interrogation with Ray, how in the old archives from the Empire, that's how they have a portion of it. And that's how R2 got it in A New Hope. When he was in the Death Star, he was connected to one of those terminals. He oh, was yeah, I forgot about that. And the Empire had that location. So, But they were just burying R2's memory. And 
he had to shut down to go look for it for a little bit. So that's the official explanation, even though it's never told in the movie. Although, again, wait, so R2 had to shut down to search his memory to find that planet? Because I assumed that whatever map R2 had was the map that Luke used to find that planet. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the reason that I just said, where R2 knew he had it somewhere, but had to go digging for it. But I could be wrong. If I remember, that's, that's what the explanation was. Cause that's I the explanation too. for why he just wakes up at the end of the movie. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's interesting to me the fact that Ryan Johnson specifically asked J.J. Abrams to have Ray take R2 instead of BB-8, like it was originally going to be switched. Mm-hmm. Which seems really weird to me. Like, I don't know. That seems like an odd choice to make. To me, it seems like a no-brainer that you would take R2 to go back and find Luke Skywalker. Like, BB-8 is is Poe's droid. Um, And I know, obviously, he spends a lot of time with Rey and Finn in the first part of the movie. But I don't know why Poe would have just let Rey take BB-8 off to go find Luke Skywalker. Like, I know he had the portion of the map. But now it's like, okay, he got the map back to the Resistance. That was the whole point. Like, why would he not just stick with Poe? It was definitely the right call, yeah, because mm-hmm. R2 needed to be on this journey going back to Luke. Oh, absolutely. And I just love this entire end sequence. This is one of my favorites in all of Star Wars. We all know how each Star Wars movie has to end with no dialogue and there's just music playing as you see the visuals and the music here, the Jedi steps. That's become one of my favorites of the sequel trilogy. I just remember... Loving it when I first heard it and one of the ones that stuck out to me and always went back to when the soundtrack came out the next day. I just love it so much. It's kind of becomes like the Octo theme or even Luke's new theme for the sequel trilogy because they played a lot in the trailers for The Last Jedi whenever they show clips of Luke and Rey on Octo. So it's kind of become the planet's theme, but I love it so much. It just goes beautifully with the visuals of Rey making the trek up <laughs> these long steps. Uh-huh. So she finally reaches a goal and sees Luke. Yeah. I love uh, Luke's new theme and, and, and this in The Last Jedi. Womp, womp. I love that music. Wow. It's so good. Wow. Sorry, I had to. I had to. Oh. Come on, that was funny. That was funny. Come on. Oh, man. You keep making references like that and then you keep saying, oh, The Last Jedi is not going to be that bad. We will see. <laughs> But I'm with you, Tim. I love this piece of music. Um, I think the Jedi Steps, March of the Resistance, and Ray's theme are like the three standout uh, musical pieces from this movie. Um, And probably for the sequel trilogy as a whole. Because there aren't really a whole lot of new themes in uh, The Last Jedi that I think are are any more memorable than those three. Um, But then we get that great new piece of music. But then it just goes into the classic Force theme, which ends the movie beautifully. I just love it when a Star Wars movie ends on that theme. And this is one of the better uses of it, mm-hmm. I think. And just what a great reveal for Luke, too. I mean, remember before the movie came out, there was those rumors of how Luke's only going to be in the last shot. I was like, there's no way they're going to do that. That's going to be a total disappointment. But, man, I got to say, once you look at it as a whole, it was the right move because Luke is such a major part of the plot and trying to find him that it doesn't make sense to save him for the final shot when she finally reaches her goal and man it's just a great feeling seeing luke again on screen for the first time and um, there's new context to this now once you see the last jedi but i think in a good way which we'll get into more but when you see that look on luke's face 
And when he sees Ray in the lightsaber, there was tons of speculation. But now when you think about it, things that happened to The Last Jedi, what we knew, what we know, I just see pain in Luke's face now yeah. when he sees that. Yeah, same here. Really, I think, goes well to, you know, as much as we'd like to say there wasn't planning what the sequel trilogy and the story was going to go, certain areas of it do line up pretty nicely, I think, even though if that wasn't the attention that no one knew fully the direction certain areas were going to go. But in that case, I think it lines up nicely to, you know, what we see Luke later on in The Last Jedi. Now, certain things he does could be up for debate, which we'll get into in that commentary. But the overall of how Luke was feeling in The Last Jedi, I think you could see that in the expression of his face in that final shot we see of him there. Yeah, I think it does kind of change the way you look at that now that we have that context, because I remember the first time and I think we talked about this extensively, like during our our initial review of this movie, like just reading into all the emotions on his face in that last scene and him looking at that lightsaber and feeling like, uh, you know, a a regret and a remorse of what it represents, but also sort of like a, a bittersweet or like a begrudging like, okay, it's it's my time to um finally come back and take up this mantle um but now almost like i i see him as uh my first thought when i saw this i thought of john snow from the last season of game of thrones he's just going i don't want it um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah now you know you see a lot more just pain and regret and um like you said it, it does kind of line up with um what we actually see in the last jedi But well, yeah, there we go. That's our uh, yeah. um, made it through the Force if, Awakens. If I if I may, I, I I we have we didn't really have a chance to talk about it, and, and I guess I wanted to wait till the credits because Tim, me and you kind of touched on this you know, earlier that this this movie existing is a reason for all a lot of our friendships you know basically i would say um at least i can only speak for for me and you um you already have listened to one of my podcasts that i was i was on before but and it was star wars that kind of brought us together though you know we were both you know comic fans you know whatever but it was our love of star wars that kind of made me go, oh, this guy likes, you know, comic books and he likes Star Wars. And it's not just a, you know, when people just like Star Wars, like, oh, I like Star Wars, but they're just kind of, you know, just they're more casual. Nothing wrong with that. But it's, you you know, you found a kindred, a kindred spirit, especially back in those days when you really like Star Wars and you, uh, you know, you read the books or the comics and you watched the Clone Wars. And it was it just kind of you connect to someone a little bit differently. And I remember him having the you had the rex uh avatar like you have on your your skype out uh, still my skype avatar yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but i'll never forget when we were talking i'm like oh he's got that clone wars he must be a big star wars fan too okay like i always made mental (laughs) note of that like okay this guy's a rex uh rex icon or avatar this guy's legit and it was um when they announced the sale of lucasfilm of disney and the new films i just you know I was already. I I remember I was anticipating buying the Clone Wars season four Blu-ray that hadn't come out yet. Now, but I had, and this was, I was already binging things at the time. I would wait because I didn't have uh, DVR at the time, so I had to. I, and I just kept forgetting when Clone Wars came on, so I'd always wait till it came out on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. Did I go binge it? I remember I, I was anticipating that. Oh, I'll buy Clone Wars when it comes out in a, in a few weeks, and then. All of a sudden, bam! Sale to Disney. I went, what? 
and it was like all but i just buying that clone war season four you know blue was even more important and i remember i got started talking to tim a little bit I'm like, hey you're a big star wars fan kind of just you know loosely talking and then you know all of a sudden i i see this guy who you know i, I i'm you know acquaintances with has a new podcast and i'm sure listening to your podcast he has you know i, I learn who kyle is and and it was all from, you know, you guys started the podcast because of the saga continue or because of the uh, Force Awakens and the, and, the, and the sale and this movie specifically kind of creating that whole excitement. And I'll never forget what me and Tim, we started this thing where we would talk for hours about yeah. the possibilities <laughs> of the force awakens and before we even knew what it was we just we were both just so excited we just would talk for hours and i don't even know how to even start it i was like dude i think we were just talking on twitter i was like dude let's just just talk on skype let's just do it yeah you just messaged me out of the blue one day on twitter and just like we gotta chat for real one one of these days like how about tonight (laughs) yeah yeah and we just talked for hours just, just bsing about star wars and it was fantastic and i gotta say you know regardless of how I feel with the force awakens and, and if I love it or I just think it's okay, or if I, you know, I like half of it or whatever, I'm just eternally grateful that it's given me friendships like you guys. And I mean, star Wars has given me so many different friendships, obviously. And, but you guys are definitely a, a big part of that. And it's an honor to be a part of a show that I really enjoyed listening to. And, you know, and it's and again, this movie is the byproduct of, byproduct of that, and it's super super awesome that I just in, in for that I'm glad this movie exists. Whether I love it to death or I just like it, it doesn't matter. I'm I'm so grateful it exists because it, it gave me you guys. So, yeah. you know, it is a uh, yeah. I just want you guys to know that I'm glad this movie exists just for you guys. So oh, thanks, there Paul. you go, no problem. And this, when you say that stuff, that's you know of all the little nitpicks and complaints and you know with us it's all good and fun but you know with some yeah. of the stuff can get pretty nasty out there online when it comes oh, yeah. to the star wars complaints and all that but that's what it's really about i mean mm-hmm. the friendships and the fun we get to have as friends enjoying these movies and having fun with the stuff we don't like as well so it's just like you said regardless of how you feel of the movie it just gave us memories and friendships i got i feel are going to last a lifetime so that's the most important thing when you think about this stuff so well said yeah and um you know, I mean, that's why to people like us who get really into this franchise, like it's so much more than just a movie, you know, like when we go see The Rise of Skywalker in December, it's not going to be like, oh, we're just going to see this cool new movie that's coming out. It's, you know, we're going to see it for the experience of watching it with other fans and then being able to come together and talk about it and do our podcast about it. And um, yeah, just like you said, those friendships and just the community and the inter- the interaction is, is such a big part of it. It's also cool, again, getting to go back and watch this and then the fact that we're coming up on episode nine. And like you mentioned, I mean, this movie is why Tim and I started this podcast in the first place. Um, it was when the, the Disney sale happened and we found out we were getting new Star Wars movies and it was long before we ever found out uh, what the title was going to be or the cast or anything because we speculated about all that stuff for years. Um, but it's kind of cool that it's coming full circle. Like we're getting to revisit, uh, the first movie that, that started it all. And then that saga is going to be coming to an end already. Um, and of course that doesn't mean the podcast is coming to an end by any means, but it is going to feel like a, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. A closing of a chapter, um, when that finishes up, but yeah, it's been a heck of a ride so far and, uh, glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, couldn't imagine it any other way now, <laughs> experiencing yeah. these movies, really. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, but anyway, final thoughts on The Force Awakens, overall impressions, maybe any way that your impressions have changed uh, between when the movie first released and now? For me, it's still my favorite movie of the Disney era Star Wars. I just think there's so much about it that I love when we talked about it in the commentary where the main thing to love about it are these new characters. And while the plot might be a little similar and not nothing you know, groundbreaking, there are great character moments that drive the story a new direction for Star Wars that I really like. And just the performances by the actors for, the new, for these new characters. And they had to nail it for this new trilogy. And they really did with Ray, Finn, Kylo, Poe, and then their interactions with the older characters like Han and Leia. And then later on with Luke and the last Jedi, just all these characters work so well together. And I think it's on full display in the force awakens. And there's just great star Wars action moments in it as well. We talked about the chase on Jakku, the end lightsaber battle and you know, all that stuff has become some of my favorite aspects of star Wars, and the emotional aspect of it with the death of Han Solo, like we talked about. So there's just so much that I love about it. And again, just going back and kind of what we were talking about earlier, that experience of seeing a new Star Wars movie for the first time in 10 years and just really coming out of the theater excited for what I just saw and excited for what's going to come in this new era of Star Wars. And um, you could argue, and I may agree that there have been you know, some better movies or just Star Wars content out there since The Force Awakens, but there's just something about this movie that I love and there's this a special feeling I have whenever I watch it, probably because it was the first of this new trilogy and this new era, and it was done so well that I love it so much. But even just looking at it from a Star Wars fan perspective, as someone who just loves the story of Star Wars, I think there's just enough in there with these new characters and new elements added to the mythology that I just really come to like and appreciate that just fits in with the overall saga. So, yeah, I still I love The Force Awakens when it first came out, and I continue to love it, and I just think... Um, once we get the Rise of Skywalker and the trilogy ends, I'm probably going to love it even more now knowing what happens with these characters. So, yeah, I still love this movie. Yeah, this is a, a movie that I've I've struggled with. Um, I loved it initially at first because of the obviously the first Star Wars movie we've seen in 10 years since Revenge of the Sith. And I, I watched it seven times in the theater and you know and really enjoyed it and when it came out on video home video and i watched it a ton here i just started seeing a little more of the problems and seeing not seeing a star wars movie in a big screen it always makes it better than seeing it at home and though it's star wars and you love it and you still enjoy it but i started seeing the cracks in the armor a lot more when when it came to home video and I started losing interest and in, not interest, but I started just kind of really being more critical on certain parts. And, but I will say that the one thing that has always remained is that the Jakku stuff, everything up until they leave Jakku, I just absolutely adore. And there's some of it, as you, you heard me that I still love, but there's a lot, a lot of it. I still don't, I'm just not crazy about, I think the force awakens is a good in reintroduction to star Wars though. And that's the one thing, yeah. even though I, I don't agree with everything that they, um, have done necessarily with the movie, but they, they definitely have done. I definitely think it's a good reintroduction to the move to the, to the saga. And, if, and that is something that you can't necessarily argue with. And 
I think that Star Wars benefited a lot from this movie. And and like you said too, Tim, we I, I think Revenge or nah, excuse me, Rise of Skywalker will help me specifically just put a not a bow on this, but make me kind of just see how much do I really enjoy the sequel trilogy because I I loved I didn't love the prequel trilogy when it was coming out. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't say it, it's different than the sequel trilogy. It's it's different than the sequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy gave me just it just was not what I was expecting on a lot of different levels. But I still had moments of love, enjoying it. I didn't love Attack of the Clones. I didn't just loathe it like I did the Last Jedi the first time I saw it. Um, but I didn't love it necessarily either. And I, I found my love for attack of, attack of the clones in the opposite, like of the force awakens. It was home video. when I, when I bought it the day it came out, I rewatched it. And I went, nah, this is actually as bad as I thought it was or whatever. It just, maybe it wasn't in the right mood for attack of clones when it came out. But when revenge of Sith came out, that's when I fell in love with the prequel trilogy. And I really started getting behind it as a see in the conclusion. So I'm really hoping that, Though the sequel trilogy hasn't set my world on fire and there's things about it I love and there's, there's things about it I don't like at all, I'm hoping that The Rise of Skywalker will ignite that the same thing that The Revenge of the Sith did for me and unify the, the trilogy and make me appreciate Force Awakens and The Last Jedi way more after seeing the conclusion. And I'm not saying it will. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like I think there's a lot of, of stuff that was set up in the force awakens that uh, the last Jedi either changed or just didn't address yet that I think the rise of Skywalker still has a chance to pay off and maybe add some additional weight to this movie. Um, But I mean, I, I enjoy this one a lot. I mean, like you, Paul, I saw this in the theaters eight times, absolutely loved it when it first came out, just couldn't stop watching it just because it was the first new star Wars that we had gotten in years and then of course watching it on blu-ray and discussing it and everything i did also start to kind of see some of the issues with it um i definitely don't agree with people that think it's just a complete retread of a new hope but i do wish that they had kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit more um especially i think my main issues with it are a the lack of world building you know we get maybe a couple sentences about like the new republic and we don't really know sort of like what their role is in the galaxy and the first order and just kind of the state of things. Um, and a lot of like the planets and environments and stuff that we go to feel kind of familiar. So um, I wish they had just kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit and done some more new things. Um, and then of course the fact that like the, that we're still dealing with like X-Wings and TIE fighters and stormtroopers, like it just all feels very sort of safe and familiar. Um, but I love the characters. I love the the dialogue and the writing and the chemistry between the actors and the the character performances and everything. Um, I think that's definitely the strongest aspect of the movie. Love my boy Kylo Ren, like I talked about, and I love seeing Han and Chewie together. I think they definitely steal the show as far as the returning characters. Um, So I think this movie definitely does have a lot going for it um, and has some areas where it could be better as well. But overall, I think it was a good first entry in the sequel trilogy. Um, Like you said, I think for, for those of us that are hardcore fans... Um, 
it felt a little redundant. Like there were some things that, you know, JJ has even said in interviews, like we felt the need to reintroduce the audience to Star Wars or remind the audience what Star Wars is. And for those of us that have loved it our whole lives and, you know, probably watched all the other movies the week before this came out, we're like, no, 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 we know what Star Wars is. Like, give us something new. But it also obviously did a good job of just for the masses, like reestablishing things and, um, kicking off this new trilogy. Obviously, it did hugely well financially and critically and everything. So um, certainly, you know, it was a move that paid off for Disney. Um, and now, you know, like you said, I just hope that The Rise of Skywalker can give us a satisfying conclusion to what this started and um, pay off on some of those threads that are still kind of left dangling in this movie, even though we've, uh, you know, we've seen some of them addressed in The Last Jedi um, but I think there's still some things going back to this movie that need to be addressed. So we'll see how that all wraps up in just a few weeks. Uh, but before that, we'll be back with our last Jedi commentary as well. And, uh, yeah, grab your popcorn for that one. Cause it's about to go down. Um, but it's been, it's been fun to, uh, to go back and revisit this movie as well. And again, I'm just glad that we're into the sequel trilogy now because it means we're that much closer to, uh, to getting to see the new one. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun going back to uh, to revisit this as well. So uh, that's going to do it for now. Um, you know, as always, I know we don't really do a, a mailbag for this one, but if you guys want to, uh, you know, if it's your first time listening, um, you can find us online at uh, at Star Wars TSC on Twitter um, and at Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And if you want to send us email with any thoughts, comments, or questions that you have about Star Wars, you can email us at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com and we'll read your emails here at the end of the show. Um, but that's going to do it for now. We'll be back with our last Jedi commentary or maybe some more news or whatever uh, before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, and then, you know, of course you can expect a massive episode from us as well. Once that drops, we'll see if we top our six hour review of the last Jedi, but we'll see, we we'll see, now. yeah, we'll <laughs> see what happens there. May, this time we might have to break it up into multiple episodes, but who knows? Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. And may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Gosh, rebels. Rebels.